Welcome back to the Film 89 Podcast. This is episode 19. I'm Sky. I'm Richard. I'm Sim. And by the miracle of dads, I'm Neil Kaskin. Gents, the founding fathers of Film 89 are back together at last. When was the last time we were all together? Episode 50. Was episode, yeah, episode, it episode been, 50. Yeah. 40 episodes ago. Yeah. My <laughs> God. And obviously, you know, with the pandemic and whatever, actually recording in person has been something we haven't done much at all. And uh, yeah, uh, tonight myself and Steve and uh, Richie are actually together in the flesh. And Neil is, um, where are you at the moment? Neil, are you um, in the foothills of the Andes? Is there some more humanitarian work you're doing? Yeah, I'm actually just uh, saving some mountain goats from uh, a, a, a panther. Oh, what would the world do without you, Neil? <laughs> so, gents. 2022 uh it's been a year certainly and tonight we're going to be discussing the stuff that we've loved and some of the things we've uh, not so much felt the love for in 2022 um shall we start chronologically and just so everyone knows how we're going to tackle this we're just going to cover film and television you know with the, the major releases throughout 2022 some of the stuff we've seen some of us uh, won't have seen it all our likes and dislikes and and maybe then towards the end what our favorite film and tv shows of the year have been and maybe um, a few honorable mentions so let's start with something that straddled 2021 into 2022 the book of boba fett now richie you and i covered this disney plus star wars show in episode 76 back in february and we weren't exactly keen on it and neil you later expressed your own dismay at the show when we covered obi-wan kenobi in episode 82 in june but later on this year we had a third star wars show in the form of andor so let's lump all three disney plus star wars shows in one and kind of pool our thoughts on them uh, have we got anything else to say about the book of boba fett and steve i don't think you've actually seen it have you i've not seen one of them so i'm gonna be very quiet yeah just don't. <laughs> Pretty much don't, yeah. Yeah, it's not no no value in it at all. Mm. I, I think the only thing I can say about the book of Boba Fett is at least it's, it's lead admits they got it wrong. I saw a recent quote where he was saying, basically, if they were to do, I mean, obviously, he's probably very hopeful that they are going to do a second season, that it actually goes back to Boba Fett being a bounty hunter. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that I'm paraphrasing, but that was basically what he said. Mm, yeah. You know, so it's quite refreshing in a way. Yeah. Because usually, especially this this sort of day and age now, we get a sort of the, the stars almost sort of toe the corporate line. And it seemed, it was quite refreshing to see someone who was I'm not going to say his job was on the line, but someone who you know had the guts to sort of say, "Look, I'm listening to all the fans are saying, yeah. and I'm not particularly happy about it." But the only downside I would say to that is. Is he a big enough star to say that, really? Well, to be fair, I mean, he's had his paycheck. He's paid for his teeth. So I don't know if he needs anything else to do. <laughs> I think he must have got it on credit because they were definitely done in advance. <laughs> yeah, really. yeah, just... I, think, I think he'd been on a Turkish holiday. You know, <laughs> yeah. I've seen better teeth on Towie. <laughs> so, Steve, did you watch Obi-Wan Kenobi? No. Rich? I did watch it, yes. And obviously you weren't with Neil and I on possibly one of the most... Um, no. Sarcasm-filled episodes we've ever done. No, but I, I agreed with almost everything you said. <laughs> I, I did see the first episode of that one. Oh, And there's sorry. a moment when he's undercover and he goes into a spaceport and he pulls his cloak back to oh. reveal the gun. I'm oh. thinking, I'm not watching this anymore. Yeah. It was it was, it was was dire. <laughs> oh, it was, really? yeah. There was the occasional bit that I thought I, I liked the odd bit and then it would build and I think, oh, this might actually get good. But I said from the outset, didn't I, that 
It's a series no one wanted, no one needs. He did. How can you draw attention to someone who's supposed to be in hiding for 18 years? If it, anything he does is going to draw attention to him. Bits throughout I thought were okay because once I accepted that they were doing an adventure and they were doing this, that and the other, I sort of went with it. But overall it was it was a waste of um, how many hours? It was a waste of a lot of hours. Yeah, too many. So then that takes us on to the third Star Wars film we've had this year. And weirdly, the one that was actually made first and was kind of held back, wasn't it, was Andor. Now, Andor has pretty much universally been uh, lavish with praise, isn't it? And I've heard so many people say that it's the, the best Star Wars has ever been. It's not the best Star Wars has ever been. It's not the, near. I would say outside of Mandalorian Series 1, it's the best Star Wars series. But that isn't, that isn't difficult when you're looking at Obi-Wan Kenobi and Book of Boba Fett. And even Mandalorian Series 2, it was a continuation of what we already had. Hmm. What we're, Many things worked for me with Andrew. I really, really enjoyed it. I, I totally understand why they dropped three episodes in one night, because it was it, that would have been your 90-minute pilot sort of 10 years ago, um, your, 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 or your, your TV movie that leads into the series. 10 uh, years ago, Rich. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. But that was the thing. And it was an area of Star Wars that we haven't really seen before, something which I'm really interested in, and something that is touched upon in the Rebels TV show, uh, which I know you guys haven't watched, but that that, that had patches of, of good elements to it. I've not seen the Clone Wars. But the point for me was, in the things we've had before, the, the Star Wars spin-offs that have worked have been about characters that we either don't know or have very little knowledge about but aren't steeped in lore. So where we said before that the series, the Boba Fett, essentially, the Boba Fett series that worked was Mandalorian. If they'd done that with Boba Fett, then it would have been excellent. Obi-Wan Kenobi didn't need it. Andor, there was enough about Andor that was, from what I remember from Rogue One, that gave us a hint of, we'd like to know a little bit more about him, but we didn't have three films with him in where we part of the draw to him was mystique like with Han Solo and and it, it, there was just enough there to give you that kind of interest and actually it wasn't all about Andor it was about the early days of the formation of the rebellion yeah which I was lapping up it was slow it was slow paced but I very much enjoyed the pace of it and I was a few episodes behind so maybe that helped me because I wasn't episode to episode to episode watching them in chunks you see you see more of the best bits in sort of one sitting but when you compare that to the rings of power which is again similar in its in where it's coming from you know well you know uniformly loved fantasy saga a background that we know very little about and what 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 lord of the rings what rings of power did wrong and or did right for me characters that personally i instantly or not instantly or very by the end of the first three episodes, I was interested in, I wanted to see more of them. I was interested in the, the universe building that was going on. I was interested in finding out how the Empire works in these different areas. They seemed to have good actors, solid story. They knew what they were doing with it. They knew where it was going and they weren't rushing to a conclusion. Rings of Power, for the three and a half episodes that I've seen of it, I have no idea what's going on. And it's it, it seems to be that there are, there are parallels between the two with what they're trying to do um, representation of the of the further universe and or did it really well rings of power doing it really badly all right if you're going to use rings of power as a comparison you know the quality of filmmaking for want of a better term because it is quite cinematic and mm. some you know the that third episode in particular with that industrial plan it just looked absolutely phenomenal you know it didn't look like a special effect no. it didn't look like that wraparound screen thing that even though it is really convincing from the mandalorian once i knew it was there i was looking for it. this this just looked epic. Yeah. And my issue is that the main character is nowhere near the most interesting thing about the show. And I quite liked him in Rogue One, but 
I like the first episode. I like the quandary he was in when he ended up, you know, shooting uh, you mm. know, those guards that um, kind of had him cornered and, and were looking to uh, swindle him. And then, you know, the third episode where Stellan Skarsgård's character gets him off that planet, mm. I thought was brilliant. I didn't think much of the second episode. And then we've got those two episodes, which are a build-up to the sixth episode, which is the big heist. I thought yeah. far too much time was wasted on characters, which we never saw them again after the heist. And whether or not they'll come back later, I, I want. I don't want to be thinking in this series, well, those two episodes could have been condensed down to one. I didn't think much of the heist itself. I thought the build-up promised something that didn't really deliver. Then when eventually we get to that prison planet. I liked the whole, you know, the way he ended up being incarcerated for something really minor. It just goes to show how, you know, what a bunch of complete arseholes the Empire are yeah. and then we have the introduction of Andy Serkis and it's at that point then that the show gets yeah. an injection of someone who you know I'm not saying he's a particularly likeable character but Jesus Andy Serkis can act yeah. you know he's proven that we talked about him last episode yeah. and then Stalin Skarsgård really comes to the fore in the penultimate episode in that scene with with Forrest Whitaker yeah. where they're talking about having to basically sacrifice one of their own yeah. men and and his team in order to further their plan and that whole scene that dialogue scene with those two characters yeah. and and Forrest Whitaker, Whitaker kind of you know the penny very slowly dropping as to what Skarsgård's character yeah. I'm thinking the writing here and, and the acting is just phenomenal yeah. and then the final episode which everyone was raving about I just felt was again really underwhelming and the fact that so many characters well all of the, the characters survived when those characters, that girl who uh, is she his girlfriend or ex ex girlfriend or something you, you like that. You get the impression they're kind of friends yeah. from childhood, aren't they? She yeah. ends up going on that transport with those other people, and I thought they need to die now in order mm. to give Andor the impetus to really full on go with you know pu- push himself into this rebellion. And I, I think it kind of missed a trick there. Um, but it's, it's four parts, isn't it? So so the, yeah. the, the series has been written as two seasons, yeah. but four chapters. Mm. So it's easy to say <clears throat> that it's a bit of an act, I suppose, to say that. Um, the threads that are left are going to be resolved. And yeah. may, maybe maybe it's fully written, maybe it isn't. Maybe there's a bit of kind of mm. see what characters land and what characters don't. But I'm comfortable enough with what we've seen to say that I've got faith in, in what's to come. I might completely eat humble pie come the end of um, whenever Series yeah. 2 comes out, whether it's next well, year or the year after. Yeah. Early parts of the show, you and me were pretty much like, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're really enjoying this. And Neil and, and Jim were kind of like, no, it's not doing it for me. And then as things went along, about halfway through, I got a message off Neil saying, if I don't side with him, he's going to beat me up. So, and then, so he always does it. But then as it, as it went on, I genuinely was seeing more of the fat in the show and thinking that could have been trimmed, that could have been trimmed. And, and Neil was like, yeah, it's just not doing it for me. It's, it's you know, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I think, that's the, I think that's the hard part with this. Is, I don't know if we were doing it on the group chat or whatever, me and you were just talking privately away from, you know, Rich's, you know, well, quite frankly, vile comments. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, I wanted to love this. It looks great. It's played out in such a way which I quite like a slow burn. I quite like yeah. a sort of giving a time for the story to sort of like really come to the boil. I, I love the score as well. It mm. reminds me of like sort of like just Silent Running or, you know, Logan's Run. It's got yeah. that sort of 70s sort of sci-fi vibe to it. I know... Yeah. Um, uh, John Amino brought up THX, did he? Is like you know you yeah. can tell use this. There were some scenes in that, but I was thinking, yeah, it's definitely some of the sort of office scenes when they were sort of the, the bureaucrat sort of bureau. They were, one general was placed in after he met Master Mission. And I was just thinking, why aren't I loving this? I know. I wonder whether whether because I really really disliked everything that had come before it, it, because it wasn't that it was so different from that. I wonder whether or not I was kind of a bit more. Maybe I'm a bit more. 
uh, forgiven of certain things. I don't know. But then again, I was watching two episodes at a time, so I wasn't watching every week. I think you've nailed it there, Richard. I, I, it's only as you were saying it earlier that I was thinking, this, is this I think, is the problem. Is that a lot of the time, you know, funny enough, I was commenting uh, about a different series we'll probably talk about later, to someone the other day, how refreshing it is to watch something every week now. Mm. You Because know, you can sort of get used to that sort of Netflix binge model of, oh, well, I'll just watch one more before, you know, you've done the yeah. whole season. But with this, it's sort of flipped it on its on its backside, if you like, a little bit, because there was one or two episodes where I was like, right, now it's getting going, and by the following week, I kind of forgotten what had happened. Yeah, and I, yeah. I'm like, you know, that's not for lack of trying. I even found myself. I, I think it was one episode. I can't remember which episode it was. Where I went back and rewatched the last ten minutes beforehand, because there was things in the, in the recap where I was sort of going, oh, hang on, I, you know, did I get that bit? Yeah, and I think the thing you and me certainly discussed is that it, this, this felt as if. That the template didn't be given to the showmakers, right? Make twelve episodes of this show instead of make you, make the sh- you make yeah. the show or you make the story as long as you need to, mm. and then if it fits into six episodes, eight, eight episodes, ten, so be it. And like so many things, which we've mentioned, in particular those Marvel Netflix shows, which yeah. always had to fit a certain template of what was it, thirteen, 13 episodes. episodes yeah. This felt as if it was eight episodes stretched out to ten, uh, twelve. Well, sorry. Well, I say you may be right there, but then again, when we talk about the sort of Netflix, sort of Marvel stuff, I presume we're talking about like the Defenders and yeah. you know that, that type of show. Um, they were all roughly the same runtime. Whereas with Andor, you could watch one and it'd be like forty-two minutes, and then you watch the next one, it'd be fifty-seven minutes. Yeah, you right. It was twenty-six minutes. Yeah. So it was almost as if it was poorly edited. This is something that I can't get my head around either. I, I, I if the story needs to be X amount of time, it needs to be that amount of time. I know it's not TV in the conventional sense, but there's something about 42 minutes for, you, for your American, you know, that would be an hour without yeah. that kind of thing. This, you know, I don't remember finding an issue with, with, with series of years gone by thinking that, you know, they needed to be 10 minutes longer or they needed to be. And, and it's kind of, I don't really understand why every episode is, is a different length. And, and I don't know if, I don't know if that makes any difference, but I, I don't know. I agree to a certain extent, Rich. I think there should be a minimum runtime for an episode. I think when you're watching, as we're talking about Andor, let's say with Andor now, I think each episode should have been 42 or 43 minutes, whatever the runtime is. It doesn't need to be because they haven't got ad breaks. But if, if we're going to say, let's do a 45-minute episode. Mm. But if I can use a separate sci-fi uh, series that uh, hopefully we'll talk about later, which yeah. is The Orville. Season 3. Yeah where every episode was roughly 47, 48 minutes, unless it needed to be longer. And there was one or two, I mean, obviously the season finale went on for whatever, but there was one or two episodes where you were like, oh, that was actually an hour and five minutes, that one. Mm. But you never noticed because, because, again, I know with the Orville, it's slightly different because although it's got a running theme throughout it, each episode is kind of his own sort of self-contained sort of next generation type story, isn't it? Although we get callbacks and comebacks and stuff like that. But I think with with Andor and with a lot of the sort of Disney Plus stuff, they would really benefit from saying, look, we're going to do a 45-minute episode. If the story dictates that it needs to be 57 minutes, that's fine. But we're going to guarantee the viewer 42 minutes. Mm. Because there was one episode of Andor, I think I literally thought, have I missed something? The titles are coming up. Yeah. And I think it was like sort of 26 minutes or something like that, you know? I like I liked it when you used to have the standard length, and then you'd have a feature length episode, whether it was yeah. a finale or f- first episode or whatever. In which case, then, guys, of the is it now five Disney Plus Star Wars shows we've had? Mandalorian, one and two. 
Boba Fett. Boba Fett, Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. Yes. Andor. Do, where does this place for you? Because I'm, I'm going to put a smack bang in the middle. I don't think it's as good as season one or two of The Mandalorian. I think if this if this season had anything near as good as that Bilbo episode of season two of The Mandalorian, I, I think it had, for me, one really great episode, the third one. I liked the second half of that episode where Stellan Skarsgård uh, goes to see Forrest Whitaker's character and then has to escape from that uh, Imperial ship, mm. which I thought was awesome. Um, and a few other good episodes. Yeah, yeah pretty much every scene with Circus I yeah. thought was amazing. Yeah, I, 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 didn't, mean, I didn't think... You know, so I'm going to put a smack in the middle. I think I think you have to because you can't for Mandalorian season one and season two they they run as one I, I consider it as one thing so it's season one and two it's the Mandalorian so for me Mandalorian Book of Boba Fett Obi Wan Kenobi and Andor and for me Mandalorian is is the top um, and Andor is uh, is second because the things that the man things that Mandalorian have done for that for that get you back to watch next week for the sheer enjoyment for the sheer fun after the kind of the ups and downs we've had over the past few years with regards to Star Wars this was this made us believe again in Star Wars I think you've got two sides to the coin there haven't you because you've got the Mandalorian is almost well this is kind of what I wanted to see is in George Lucas's vision of the galaxy yeah I know a lot of it does seem to take place on sandy planets <laughs> <laughs> But with Andor, it's almost as if someone's gone, look, I've got a great sort of sci-fi story, unless, I know it's not the case, because I, like I said, I can remember when all these series were being announced, I think it was the late Jim Cottle who said to us, why do you need an Andor series? And I was like, just that little throwaway line he gives at the beginning of Rogue One about, you, you know, I've been doing this since I was nine years old, you wouldn't mm. believe the things I've done and the things I've sacrificed. I'm interested in that character. And I like the fact that it, it does show us, doesn't it, that side of Star Wars that we've not really seen before. And there's, yeah. not, not, there's not a hint of a lightsaber. No. There's no mention of the Jedi. And if this is such a big, vast universe, we can't have everything revolving around the Skywalker side. I was going to say, that's, that's almost a sort of unfair comparison, isn't it? When you look at the sort of Mandalorian, it's almost a sort of bells and whistles, Christmas Day wish that you're getting. It's, it's like you, you're going to you're gonna get to see lightsabers, you're going to get to see TIE fighters, you're going to get to see uh, Luke Skywalker's going to pop back. You know, well, there's kind of Yoda in it. You know that type of thing, and it's it's almost like a sort of like a little wish list for us for a Star Wars fan. Whereas this one, it's almost unfair to compare the two because they're two. Although they've both got Star Wars in the title, they're probably two different genres of yeah. series, aren't they? So it's, I definitely I enjoy the Mandalorian a lot more. But like I say watching Andor, there were bits of it where I was going, I really wish I could love this. I'm enjoying it, but I'm not loving it. Mm-hmm. It's the birth of the rebellion. That, that's yeah. the theme of it. Isn't yeah. it? That's what it should yeah. be called, the birth, like the, the birth of the rebellion, yeah. as opposed to Andor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Also, January 2022, Steve, one of your favourite directors, Guillermo del Toro, released Nightmare Alley. Now, uh, Neil Rich, did either of you see that? Nobody can give Steve a chance to talk. Yeah. <laughs> That's over to you, Steve. I just do the Star Wars stuff. Steve does all the adult stuff. <laughs> oh, no, Nightmare Alley is one of my films of the year, even now. It is, you know, I love um, Del Toro anyway, but uh, that was right up my street. And I know it's had criticism because it's basically two different films. The beginning is set in the, the carny, the second set is in this big city. I didn't care, I loved them all. And at the ending, was so gruesome, so um, nihilistic, so brutal. He does that, doesn't he? He does that. He did that in Pan's Labyrinth. The the, the brutality of it just comes from nowhere. And, you know, it turns a fairy tale into, like, something entirely different. But, yeah. Well, it was the inevitability of it as well. That's what, all the way through the film, I was giggling to myself because I knew what was going to happen. And he he plays along with these expectations. So at the end, when it, you know, all goes pear-shaped, I I, I thought it was one big comedy 
and I laughed all the way through it. Uh, well, I um, I agree with you, Steve. It was a good first half, but for me, <laughs> after that, it just came off the rails, and I I just never really understood the motivation of Kate Blanchett's character and this big elaborate plan that she had. That when you pick it apart, it, it made very little sense. And unfortunately, as much as I often love his style in terms of his visuals and you know how his films look. I think sometimes his writing really let the side down and the second half just totally lost me. Uh, I was just just really disappointed by it. Well, the second half is, is the joke and and the mm. joke is on the characters and that's what I, I really, really enjoyed about it. And Kate Blanchett's whole motivation was revenge. You know, you can see it happening. You know it's going to happen as it goes on and that just builds up this tension and it's released with humour. Yeah, all, you know, all the carnival stuff and, and Bradley Cooper just manipulating these people yeah. and whatever. I, that worked really well, but then it just came off the rails for me. So February 2022, uh, we had Pam and Tommy, the eight-episode mini-series on Disney+, Plus, starring Lily James and Sebastian Stan as real-life couple Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee. Did any of you see that? Yes. No. My wife watched it, and I saw bits of it. Right. Steve? No, no, no. Neil, you and I did, didn't we? We did. And we enjoyed it, didn't we? i gotta be, I got to be completely honest. I only realised who Lily James was the other week. I know. I know. She is like a chameleon in this. And Sebastian Stan is, again, chameleonic. I thought that you know, the two performances were just outstanding. I just can't believe how... I watched it almost um, as easy viewing. Uh, it was a suggestion we made. We were sat there watching it the one night. I said, should we give this a go? And she was like, yeah, okay, we'll give this a go. And I thought, oh, this will be like sort of popcorn TV. Mm. You didn't dig out your VHS, did you? <laughs> <laughs> I've got it downloaded on my phone, Richard. <laughs> I was like, I was amazed by sort of almost. I kind of expected like just a sort of a laugh watching this, but there were certain bits of it were like dramatic, you know, yeah. really, sort of really well done. I mean, right, we have got Tommy Lee's talking penis in it. I know that was. I was just going <laughs> to say a, Di- a Disney Plus show that's got Tommy Lee's talking penis. I was, I was from that point. I'm like, well, this is not what um, I expected when I uh, paid for my Disney Plus annual subscription. I'm kind what of intrigued and repulsed. Are you? Yeah. It, it was. It, I think it, it needs I think to be was, seen. I think it was. Well, yeah. Was, I think a lot of the world did see it. That's yeah. why they made this show. But, <laughs> but, but I think that was in episode one, wasn't it? And I sort of thought, oh, okay, this is going to be the tone for it now. It's almost yeah. going to be a bit. Because it had a sort of similar vibe to it that I, Tonya had, which was almost like Wolf of Wall Street light. And I thought this is going to be sort of I, Tonya light. If you yeah, get but it, it, it bounced it, didn't it, with it all bounced, that dramatic yeah, stuff. And, and you, you, you really did, by the end, give a shit about Pam, didn't you? And how yeah. badly she'd been treated. Complete, right, so, so, completely. So, I, so having not seen it, I'm interested to know what your opinion is on this, because there's there's a bit of a, bit of a kind of a question around this, because... My understanding is that the the like Lily James's sort of motivation for doing it was because the sympathy she felt towards Pamela Anderson for this video and her body being exploited and the video being exploited, they're not making anything out of it, no choices, consent for people to view this this footage was completely taken away from it, and other people then owned her uh, her image and her footage and what have you. Yeah. Now Pamela Anderson in no way endorses this program. So is this program doing what that video did? Because if she doesn't endorse it, she isn't. She wasn't supportive of this project being made. No. This is, granted, maybe the, the motivation for making it could be by everybody for, for, for what Lily James sort of said her motivation for was. Obviously, there's making money. Obviously, there's getting attention drawn to Disney Plus and all the rest of it. But are are the makers of this program as guilty of 
um, commercialising the trauma that she went through in the original release and making her relive everything, or is it cathartic for her anyway? Because I don't think she's spoken up since to say, actually, I now support her. I think that she's maintained the fact that she doesn't support any of it. So having watched the programme, by the end of it, are you... Um, do you feel that the programme was made with the best of intentions or was it exploitative? I think a little, a little from column A, a little from column B, if I'm completely yeah, honest. Yeah, I agree. And, and without ever having known exactly what went on behind closed doors, it's tough to say, but yeah, I, I can see why she wouldn't want this show made. Interesting. I suppose there's an issue of that, uh, or an element of that with most films. I mean, is it exploitive because it's taking somebody's tra- trauma mm. and it's taken into entertainment yeah. and it has to be entertaining yeah. for people to go? Um, one of my films of the year is She Said, which is about the two uh, w- um, women who... Oh, it's a Harvey Weinstein film. Yeah, yeah still not and um, Ashley Judd is in it. Yeah. And she was the one of the... She was. Uh, yeah. she was one of the... And she's playing her own part. Of course she was, yeah. And she's on video in the film saying, yeah. this is what happened to me. So, you know, I mean, obviously there's an element of exploita- exploitation because it is a commercial property, mm. it is a film, they've got to make money. Mm. But at the same time... It's that balance. But she's involved in that, isn't she? So she's, she's involved in it. Yeah. yeah. So presumably, yeah. unless we've heard otherwise, she's supportive of the final product. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. but, but like Mira Savino, she is one of the actresses whose careers were pretty much yeah. dumped because of the fact that she was a victim of all of this, wasn't she? Mm. Okay. Where were we? Uh, that was February 2022. March 2022, uh, we had one of the year's biggest critical commercial, commercial successes in Matt Reeves' The Batman, which Neil and I covered on episode 77. But Rich and Steve, uh, have either of you seen it? And if so, what were your thoughts on this latest iteration of The Dark Knight? I have not seen it, no. I've seen it. I enjoyed it. Um, it was too long. It's I three think, hours, isn't it? Yeah, it was, but it felt, for me, it felt like three hours. I remember listening to the episode that, that you and Neil recorded and um, I was joining in the conversation. I, I agreed with almost everything you said. Maybe I'm going to rip, uh, sort of quote you now, and it's not correct. But my feeling was there was it was better than I expected it to be in many ways. Colin Farrell, I, I don't know. I don't know why Colin Farrell is in oh, the was film. Colin, who was Colin Farrell? Exactly. In it? <laughs> exactly. Why? Why is he in it? Because it's Colin Firth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, unless there's going to be some prequel element to the to the TV series where he looks like Colin Farrell I don't know why he's in it because he is completely unrecognisable which is both a positive for him and also uh, it's just bizarre I, I, I am interested I am intrigued by what's to come with it but the whole DC universe is, is just which is an, an episode in itself isn't yeah, it yeah it's just a, it's just a um, and I don't shot. think things are getting any better with the, the well, change of management I don't, I don't think you can class this really as part of the DCU can you it's its own entity it's like, it's like the Joker and that's part of the issue I think it's, as well. it's like the, it's like Joker isn't it it's like, it's like a, another little separate offshoot in its own pocket universe Makes it's throwing sense. mud at the wall and seeing what sticks yeah, it? let's I face agree. it I and, and I'm just fed up of seeing a brooding Batman long live Adam West bless him yeah. um, we, need, we need something with a bit more heart and a bit, a, a little bit lighter. Uh, I didn't not enjoy it. I've not gone back to watch it, which maybe says a lot. But also, it is three hours. There's a lot of three-hour films that I would watch. You know, I'd go home tonight and watch the Batman. Yet I haven't got around to rewatching it. Oh, it seems to me like um, Marvel making an, another Iron Man show darker and saying it's not part of the yeah. MCU. Mm, and yeah. that doesn't really make sense, no. does it? And yeah. it, as he's on they do they do actually visually get darker as well, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> But it's, it's multiverse stuff, isn't it? So they, oh, you know, yeah, they, they, yeah. They, they don't have to coexist, but it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm losing my patience with the whole lot of it. Yeah. Going back to the Batman, I mean, again, it's almost like the sort of Andor sort of thing again, where I, I can't remember what I gave it a score. I think it was like a seven out of 10 or something. I was like, yeah, I think it was like, I, you know, I think we gave it a seven each of me. You know, it was one of those things where I thought, do you know what? 
again, I should be liking this a lot. This is pretty much every, you know, like like the same sort of thing with Andor. If you sat down and said to me, well, what would you want to see? Hmm. You know, and I, so, I, I think I'd sort of almost sort of give a synopsis for Andor. I think I'd almost give the synopsis for this as well. Do you know what, Neil? I think ultimately, right? Let's, let's I just should think. be enjoying this a lot more than I am. Yeah, in a near three-hour film, Neil, how many memorable scenes are there? Well, this is what I was going to say to you. I actually did a rewatch of it last week. Hmm. Thinking, do you know what? I bet this time it's going to be an eight, you know, an eight or a nine out of ten film, and it dropped a little bit for me. I was actually quite bored yeah. watching it. Mm-hmm. I think aside from that awesome car chase with the penguin, I just don't think sure. there's much to it. Literally, I was going to say literally because I was one of the things we were sort of joking about was the sort of slow lingering sort of pace to it, and the sort of let's just linger on Batman looking at a photograph for yeah. thirty eight seconds when it could be like two seconds, like you know. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like after you've seen that for the fourth or fifth time, you're like, yeah. do they forget to stop rolling the cameras or something? You know, yeah. the, 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 no one yelled cut yet. And watching it the second time, I found that even more annoying. And like you were saying about the car chase. I'm not just saying I want to see a car chase in a film. There was one part where I thought, do you know what? I could actually turn this off. Oh, hang on, the car chase bit's coming up. I'll watch that bit. And I actually found it really sort of slow and draining the second time. And actually quite boring the second time round. Because it's beautifully shot. I will give them that, the bits you can see of it. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, the great, the, you know, the, the sort of introduction of Batman on the, on, the, on the subway, I thought was tremendous. But there's a lot of that film where I was just like, this is actually quite dreary and quite yeah. drab and quite yeah. boring. Yeah, yeah. it's it, and and, the, and I was going to say about the Riddler. He was he didn't live up to expectations as far as I'm concerned. It was I, I thought there was a better you know there was a better sort of maniac in him. I've seen him in other programs, other films. I can't remember the guy's name at the minute. Paul Dano. Paul Dano. Paul Dano. I'm just gonna, I'm just going to put it out there. Paul Dano. He's had some good performances, but a lot of the time when I see Paul Dano, I go, "That's Paul Dano being Paul Dano." Yeah. Oh, fully agree. You'll fully yeah, agree. Yeah, it's just it's it's. I, I think that there's um, I, I'm not sure that that that. Time is going to treat that film well. I think that that it was so different to to what we currently had, and so very much its own thing. But I think that that novelty very quickly wears off. Yeah, I don't think we're going to be talking about this like people are still talking about the Dark Knight. No, ten years on. Yeah, it's, well, it, 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 twelve. It, it, four, was it Dark Knight? Fourteen years. Two thousand eight. Was it two thousand eight? It Good is God. basic. It yeah. is basically a love letter to the Dark Knight. I think in a lot of ways. Yeah. And in comparison, it's, it's a TV movie in comparison to that. Pattinson was better than I expected. In fairness to him, yeah, he was a lot but, better than I expected. But, but still, mopey Robert Pattinson. Oh yeah, I mean he's not uh, anything else, does he? He was, he was a bad Bruce Wayne. Yeah, yeah. We're just we're just repeating stuff that we said in the episode and. You know, if you want a full breakdown of that film, go back to episode seventy-seven. We didn't completely rail on it. Far from it. You know, I think overall we were fairly positive about it and just honest about the things we didn't like. So, also uh, beginning late March on Disney Plus was Moon Knight. Now, around by this time, I think maybe two or three episodes into Moon Knight, my Disney Plus app stopped working for some reason uh, for weeks on end, which led to me not watching the remainder of the series. And I had absolutely zero desire to remedy this. Uh, did any of you watch the entire first season? Yeah, I, I did. D- I did. Yeah. Is there anything worth saying about it? I, I think you've got the, the classic sort of almost good, well, I was going to say almost good MCU TV series, and I will class one division, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. I think that's about it in hmm. the almost good TV shows that Disney Plus have done for the MCU. In the fact that it starts off fairly promising and then just goes a bit daft towards the ends and ends up with a big fight with a blue light in the sky. Oh, we've seen it all before, haven't we? This is why I didn't yeah. need to watch it. I think you can. I think we could talk about the Marvel shows in one topic because I think that there's so many parallels between. I think we've got one Marvel show in particular oh, that deserves its own. Let's topic. hold off on that, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Rich, uh, Neil, I don't know if you can have much to say about this next one, but uh, Steve, I know you are. March 25th, uh, a film was released that I didn't see until, well, literally the last week or so ago, maybe two weeks ago, as I was catching up on films I hadn't seen this year, and it's a film that, to be honest, I am quite shocked that I enjoyed anywhere near as much as I did, and that's director S.S. Rajamouli's Triple R, or RRR. Yeah, I think they call it Triple R. It makes it sound like a seal. Yeah. A three-hour-long Bollywood action epic set in British-ruled India of 1920. Now, as a rule, any film where the characters can just randomly burst into song and dance routine at any given moment is always going to repel me. That's just not my kind of thing. But in a three-hour film, there are only two dance numbers, one at the end, which i got to be honest, like I said to you, Steve, it does feel like a kind of tick box. It's mandatory. Dance, yeah, yeah it's, it, it's a mandatory Bollywood ending, and it adds nothing to the film, but the one near the middle of the film is fucking epic. But aside from this, this film is just packed to the gills with some insane action and, I've got to say, glorious levels of violence. Now, early on in the film's opening, there's a scene where one of the two leads, an Indian policeman working for the British, is ordered to arrest an Indian protester. And if that scene doesn't have you hooked, then you may as well just turn it off. Otherwise, stick with it and give it a chance because it is genuinely one of the best films I've seen all year. Certainly one of the most enjoyable. It's unashamedly over the top. It's got some appalling acting, mainly from the non-Hindu cast. But for the amount of jaw-dropping action, brutal fight scenes and just general carnage, I've got to say it gets a huge recommendation from me. Oh, I, I absolutely adored it. Uh, I sat down thinking, oh, I'll give this a go. Three hours later, I was hyper. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, and that opening scene that you just said, yeah. that sums up the whole film because one minute slow motion, next minute he's being beaten to a pub, yeah. next minute he's getting up off the mm. floor and pushing 10 people yeah. away. And, you know, it's it's completely over the top. I think once you acclimatise to the tone of it, yes, and you just go along with it, I, I was ready, right, to rip you and Leighton and, and Kyle apart on that one of the groups are on and just be like boys you're just idiots this is nonsense it's terrible and I was like no um, I, I, I'm going to be eating humble pie here. this is great but it's yeah it's just the sheer joy of, of the action and the violence and it, and to me it, it was a throwback to um, Hong Kong action cinema of the 90s when yeah, remember exactly. the first time you saw something like Hard Boiled or The Killer oh, or Better yeah. Tomorrow and it was just like what is this this is next level crazy. Yeah, and, and yeah, as you said, that it. dance sequence, yeah, I think it's about an hour into it. Yes. That is just so... And it works, doesn't it? Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> you know, I, I, I was thinking, um, I, even after, I, I don't know a word of Indian or Hindu or whatever the language that they yeah. were speaking in that film. I think it's, it's actually even a couple of dubs. Yeah. Um, but I was singing along to it mm-hmm. as well, you know, yeah. for hours after it. It's the joy of cinema, that is. Yeah. That film is. There's a parallel universe where you're actually reviewing the Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'd, I'd much home. rather watch Triple R any day of the week. Well, I, I think you know what you're talking about, Batman, is if it took this approach, mm-hmm. I think it would get a whole new audience. It, I'm, not, yes. I'm not saying this could be a dance yeah. uh, sequence in the middle, mm. you know, even as good as R R R. But if it if I, they I took Steve, that I different Steve approach, just counted out the West Bat dance there. <laughs> <laughs> the Batuzi. <Yeah. laughs> now April saw the release of Robert Eggers' The Northman. It had Egger's particular style all over it, but this time, instead of two men going crazy in a lighthouse, it was a story of brutal Viking vengeance. It's got none of the mandatory sludge of modern-day Hollywood garbage has to have to get greenlit, and for that alone, this was a film that I found uh, refreshing, and it looked pretty damn impressive, and the cast were all on point. Have any of you seen it? I have, yeah. It's on my list. I've not got around to watching it. Neil, our late friend, Jim Cottle, God rest his soul, 
he, he really didn't enjoy it, did he? I think he saw it in the cinema and I think he was messaging us about 30 minutes in saying that he didn't like it. Uh, are you with him? I kind of, I'm kind of sitting on the fence between, I, I'm guessing, yeah, I, I think we've talked about it earlier, I can't remember if you said you liked it or not, but I'm guessing you did. I'm kind of in between the two of you, in a sort of bizarre sandwich. Yeah, I liked it more when I reflected on it. It didn't blow me away. I, I started watching it thinking, because I watched it at home when it came out on digital release, thinking I'm going to really enjoy this, despite what that mad old tramp has said. <laughs> <laughs> But I can, I, I can sort of see both sides of the argument there. But what I'll say is films like this need to be supported. Yes. And unfortunately, I don't think, although critically it was supported, yeah. I don't think the bums on seats it was supported. But films like this need to be supported because it is a film where you think, yeah, I want to see more films like this being made. Yes, more, more independent yeah. films and more films which are made outside of this Hollywood system, which is just literally just poison. Now. I, it's a poison I, yeah. chalice. I, I'm part of that because I saw the trailer and thought, I really want to watch this film. And I've just not... But if that was a Marvel film, right. I would have watched yeah. it. What I'll say, Rich, is... I, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I went in expecting... I'm a knob. <laughs> yeah, I went in expecting it to be epic. If anything, it's a bit yeah. more intimate. Yeah. Uh, given the setting, because a lot of it is set around um, a sort of homestead, isn't it, Neil? The um, the uncle's homestead. Yeah, I, I kind of expected uh, from the trailer as well that we were going to get sort of like two minutes of young lad, and then it was going to be Braveheart. Yes, or, or, or maybe or maybe like a, a three hundred, but without the rotoscoping and uh, you know, yeah, whatever the yeah. animation sort of style was not animation. Yeah, but you know like, what I mean. Yeah. I think in a different director's hands, and that's not knocking the director at all because he's got his style and he's got his his way of doing things, and you know, it's, 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 it's essentially it's his movie. So who am I to say it's different? But I think if someone else could have perhaps got hold of that and still maintain their sort of individuality outside of the the system, if you like, and yeah. not worried about the message and yes. as well, yes. that this could have been a better film for me. But for other people, they may disagree, and I can you know I completely see their point of view as yes. well. I enjoyed it to a certain degree, but like I said, I, I, I just hope that more films like this are made and more people support them. Yeah. Isn't it the A24 production? Can't remember if it's an A24. Because they're doing some fantastic stuff. Yeah. yeah, we'll come to that, actually. Yeah. Right, don't me. Now, May saw the first of the big Marvel Studios films released this year, and if this was 2019, now we'd all be like shaking with anticipation to talk about this. That film was Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Now, we were going to cover this film in an episode, <laughs> but we ended up ditching the episode because, to be honest, Neil, you and I thought it was pretty bad, didn't we? And, and not really worthy of the effort of uh, talking about it for two hours. It's it's got to the stage where I'm talking about the Norseman now, and I'm saying we need more films like this to get away from the the system, and not everything has to be a superhero film, and not everything has to be an MCU mm. product. And then I go the other side of the coin when I go. God, what happened to the MCU? And I wish they'd made good films again that I could get excited about. Yeah. You know, I went to see Endgame and I said to you, this, along with the birth of my son, this is one of the greatest days <laughs> in my life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> I want MCU to be the MCU. And I just find this, I don't know whether it's the Disney Plus influence or whether it's just the sort of social justice. A lot of people make a lot of money on YouTube doing this, so I'm not going to do it. No. But I just wanted to go back to being... Good, good stories, good stories. well yeah. thought out sort of plot lines and characters being introduced because they need to be not because they're taking a box. Uh, I was going to say about like James Cameron said the other day about 
you know, toxic masculinity needs to be, you know, the, the, the masculinity needs to be removed from I, men. I think, I think Neely was gravely misquoted now. They totally took that quote out of context. That's what I mean. It's, it's, it just seems to be like everything has to score a point and everything has to go on the Bechdel chart or whatever it's bloody called. I just want to see good stories again. Unfortunately, with Doctor Strange 2, you had the potential there, especially with Sam Raimi directed it, mm. for this to be a fucking great film. Yeah. And I came away just feeling so deflated. Yeah, me too. I'm I, I'm I'm fed up now that that um the pandemic this this I might be wrong maybe it's because I pay closer attention to the MCU and all the rest of it but maybe it's the fact that there is so much content but nothing seems to have been so greatly affected by the pandemic as the MCU and and I think it's because the schedule is so tight the release dates are so tight there's so much coming out and and it has been mished and mashed and chopped and changed and, and, and all the rest of it because of the pandemic. And I think that when we talk about, you know, a 13-episode series that should actually be a 10-episode series, when you look at it on a larger scale, that release date... I know the release dates get shuffled here and there and, and everything moved by a year because of the pandemic. But ultimately, the, for, the, for the sake of the rest of the universe, these films have to come out, don't they? Because otherwise, because everything hinges on everything else... And they're, they're a victim of their own success now because they've built this massive world and they're too scared to do something in isolation that doesn't eventually meet up because everything is linking on to the next. And now we're at a point where when you throw in a pandemic and you've got, you know, Doctor Strange 2 was originally coming out before WandaVision. Well, that can't possibly work with, with the way that Wanda's journey went. But... Everything is so mismatched and, and they're, they're filming as they're rewriting. And I know that you would occasionally get that in the past, but this is such a huge machine. And I think that, that overall, the whole Disney Plus experience has massively damaged the, 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 the stock of Marvel because we're, we're just it's just content, 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 content above quality. I, yeah, I was going to say, you've nailed it. It's content. It's not, it's not actually this is a movie or this is a TV show, it's content. Yeah, I am a mass... I, I completely buy into the idea that we can do a series over here that is aimed at this particular audience. We can do a film over here that's aimed at that audience because we're getting bigger audiences. We're appealing to more people because comic book films aren't just for boys kind of thing. That whole, that whole, the whole thing of appealing to all different people and different ages and all the rest of it. Perfectly get it. And if a particular series is geared towards young teenagers and then you've got something like Daredevil that comes out and is aimed at kind of older teenagers through to 40-year-old men, then that's absolutely fine. And their paths of their characters will cross as and when the stories dictate, such as the big team-ups and all the rest of it. You don't have to watch everything, but I think that the, the ability to not have to watch everything adds to the quality it's when you feel like you have to sit through six hours of something that you're really not enjoying because you might miss a character beat that becomes relevant in a team up two years down the line have the confidence to do your own little thing over here but have the characters well written so that you can then take them from their environment put them in a team up with others so that moon knight no doubt will cross over with with um, blade at some point if blade ever gets made that area of the universe links in the, the you know the, the super cosmic control. area super, all that sort of stuff yeah. the the horror the horror special they did earlier on in the year i you know i, I enjoyed quite a bit of that i was going to bring that up wait actually rich and say Werewolf by Night, whilst I wouldn't say it's a great sort of show, I was like, this is so refreshing to see yes. it, to see Marvel doing something just completely unrelated and just saying, look, let's just throw this out there. This is like, I'm not like a, a, a fan of the comics, so I don't know any of the background, but I know there are, you know, sort of diehard fans that may disagree with me. They might be disappointed them, I don't know. 
But from from my point of view, watching Werewolf by Night, I was like, whilst I'm not going to say this is the greatest thing ever, I'm not going to recommend everyone watch it. It's so refreshing to see him going, look, let's just do something completely off the yeah. wall, completely different, and just do a one-off. Doesn't need to be linked into anything. Great. Let's, you know, it's fucking filled in black and white at the end of the day. You know, let's just do something fun. I think whereas Doctor Strange 2 didn't feel different. It felt like a continuation of WandaVision, but a continuation of WandaVision. It didn't really pay attention to how that show finished. And yeah. I think Doctor Strange was sidelined in his own film. And I, do you know what, guys? I don't agree with that on Wanda. I, I think that it very much takes on, because at the end of WandaVision, she's being completely taken over by the dark old and 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 so for me that we could have had more of the progression into darkness but that's taken place between one division and doctor strange because at the end of it whilst she is uh, apologetic and remorseful over the actions within the villi- the time that she took over she's got this dark old and then the end of the series is here sat there hearing the voices of her children and yeah. she is completely she's been taken over by the dark old so I think that her character actually... Okay, we've missed her. They, they decided, I guess, to not show that because really the opening of her character, if we were to believe that she was living in peace and, and harmony and everything, that that would contradict the end of the series, the very end of the series, not the not the last sequence as in when she, Westview, when the very end when she's in the cabin, she is, she you know, she's addicted to the Darkhold and the Darkhold has taken over her soul. So... For, in my opinion, that was she. She is then. We we've kind of got the the, the business about her being the villain. Um, yeah, but I think the main the, the the point I'm trying to make is the fact that the film omitted a big part of the show, and that's the fact that Vision just wasn't even mentioned. Yeah, Vision wasn't. Yeah, and he could have been part of her salvation towards the end of the film. Yeah, her, yeah, her redemption, as a, as opposed to them following certain rules whereby a character like her has to be the architect of her own redemption. And, yeah. and when I saw that come in and when yeah. it happened, I was like, okay, now you've lost me. Yeah. I, I, get, I get, I agree with that. Vision was very much missing. Yeah, out. I was going to say, no matter what she does, she's always given a redemption arc. Yeah. Um, like Richard said, the, the Empire in Westview, you'll, you'll never know what, they'll never know what she, you sacrificed for, her, for for them. It's like... Two imaginary well, kids. Yeah, yeah, she's two imaginary <laughs> kids and she's just held the whole tower hostage for yeah. the last six months or whatever. You know, and it was very much like Sky was saying there. It's, it's, she was the sort of her own demise at the end, wasn't she, and mm. stuff like that. You know, and if you want to do that, make a a Wonder a Wonder movie and put Doctor Strange in it. Yeah. I got no problem at all with that because much like you were saying earlier, Rich, a lot of these things have to link in. I don't think they really have to link in unless you're doing an Infinity sort of Gauntlet story. You don't need to link them in, but no. anyone could show up in any of these things. And that's fine, as long as it's okay for them to show up and it, the story sort of dictates that that person should be there. We don't decide they should link in. It's already been decided. For me, yeah, that's, I that's think the, that they, yeah. they, they don't have to. And I think it'd be far better. You know, remember the days of, of Phase 1 and Phase 2, which, which, which a lot of people are comparing this Phase 2. They're saying this is the Phase 1 of the new version, which is okay, that's fine. And it can feel a bit disjointed, it can feel a bit. But the problem is, is that... We've got this expectation built up over 10 years. We know how it works. And at the minute, it feels very disconnected and it feels like, or, or forced connected. It, we, know how we, should, we know how we should work. Yeah. And, and you know, you know, remember the teaser at the end of The Incredible Hulk with, with Tony Stark turning up. That, yeah. was, that, that got us salivating, not shoehorning characters in to, to kind of um, hijack someone else's film. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you could look back on that now and you could say that, you know, that that was actually quite a sort of clunky sort of introduction to the Avengers or whatever, you know, but was it? You know, you didn't mind at the time. Whereas now, I think we've all seen, we've all seen this magic trick already. 
Mm. You know, we so you need to do something new now. Yeah, and mm. the the best thing they could do, the MCU could do now, is a cut back on the Disney. I, I don't know how easy it is to say cut back on the Disney Plus stuff. I don't know, but the other side of it is, if you're going to make movies now, I would actually like to see just independent movies at the moment. Well, they already are cutting back on the Disney Plus shows. They already are. Yeah, and I, I'd say I'd like to see almost like independent st- story, and then perhaps further down the line, we try and sort of link all this together. Mm. You know, we, we take the good, we take the good parts, and we try and link them together. And the bits that don't stick, because they are doing it to a certain degree now. They're kind of almost ignoring certain things now. You know, like the Eternals is almost being ignored, isn't it? You know, and stuff like that. Like you know, the timelines all over the place as well, isn't it? That's the yeah. Thing, that's well. I think now they need to almost like you say, almost start afresh. They've got certain characters, you know, like I'm sure we'll talk about Thor later. They've got certain characters that are still around that they can use and they've got new characters they can introduce. But not everything has to be part of a saga or part mm. of a, you know, let's just have a couple of good films. Uh, well, let's, let's talk about a good film, guys. Because one of the biggest releases of the year, Top Gun Maverick, didn't end up getting an episode because it coincided with Bill Scurry coming over to visit and we obviously did the Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan episode at the time. It was Bill Scurry coming over and recommending that we watch Top Gun Maverick, wasn't yeah, it? Because he's such a huge fan of Tom Cruise. And so- I know with, 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 with Bill, Bill was, this is the thing with Bill, he'll say to you, whatever film, like uh, Mission Impossible 8 is coming out, or something like that, and you'll think, oh, I might watch that. And then Bill will just harangue you, won't he? Yeah. He will just like yeah. harass you until you watch it because... He just loves Tom Cruise. He just loves Tom Cruise. So whilst we do fully acknowledge and apologise for our lack of coverage of Top Gun Maverick, let's now discuss the biggest box office earner at the moment of 2022. Be still my beating heart. (laughs) I loved it. Temperature's climbing. Response is still stable. We're feeling good. 8.9. Mark 9. He's the fastest man alive. scene where Maverick is flying this is early on in the film mm. the hypersonic jet and it all goes quiet and he says talk to me goose it just killed me mm. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of the original I did I think your recommendation Rich yeah. we watched it a few weeks or months before the release of this film uh, me my wife and my children my two sons watched it and I enjoyed it more than I ever have before yeah. but as someone who is fascinated by aviation in particular space flight this this at this point in the film I was gone I was sold and it sold me, to be honest with you, the opening with um, Kenny Loggins, yeah. you know, the use of that. And it's the most, I almost thought, why am I not feeling, oh, really, you're going to open it with that, the song from the original? 
it's the same sequence. It's the same sequence. It's the same sequence, but it's not. Is it? It's different. Yeah. And it, but it's the same. And I don't know what it is about that opening and how that worked. And you know, aside from the fact that he would have been completely disintegrated, ejecting at uh, you know Mac ten or whatever it was. <laughs> no, he's no, Tom Cruise. He wouldn't have been. But yes, but by this point, I am completely in on this film. It was nostalgia done well. It was nostalgia done well. And it's nostalgia for film, like I said, I wasn't a huge fan of them. We've never really <laughs> talked about much, have we? It's not yeah, like it wasn't just nostalgia for the first film, which I, I'm not a fan of, yeah. but it was a nostalgia for the whole 80s. Yes, and that yeah, type of yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And that type of jingoistic, you know, yeah. US military might sort of thing. But my God, this film also managed to tick all the boxes of, you know, what a film should have in terms of modern day sensibilities without ramming it down your throat. I came out with this film just euphoric and thinking, yeah, I think genuinely that is the best film I have seen since the last great year for film 2019, which had a few mm. awesome films and, and in particular for me, a few 10 out of 10s. We saw a return to real stunts, practical effects and things just looking realistic. And Rich, Neil, Steve, how many times have we said this, that CGI is a tool that is well used in certain cases and it is the right tool for the job, but it's yeah. not the right tool for every job. It should be used, not relied upon. Exactly, it's not a crutch, Tell the story, not replace yeah. the story. Exactly. It's not even relied upon, it's, they just fall onto it. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the, the, the actual scenes of, of flying and, and aerial action in this film are absolutely jaw-dropping, but that isn't even, the, you know, that's not everything that makes this film great. It's also it's got a great story as well. It's a great story. It's, it's got great you know, character. Great thought, you know, Jennifer Connelly was superb in it. Val Kilmer. Yeah. Val Kilmer. Oh, Val, Val Kilmer. Kilmer. Bringing Val Kilmer back. And, you know, th- thank you to my uh, 11-year-old son for who saw it before me and spoiling the fact that, uh, uh, spoiler alert, his character uh, passes away in the film. Is, you know. is there any part of this now if you know if i was saying to you i reckon they should make a top gun sequel 30 years later and i reckon they should bring val kilmer shut back. up neither you're talking rubbish that's never you gonna work uh, you know, what's the matter with you, what, you, top do you gun? love this film then do yeah. you, you know, do you, are you the biggest top gun fan what, in the world what are you gonna do neil you're gonna recreate the volleyball scene oh let's just have american football on the beach yes, or something shall we? Oh, <laughs> well let's get goosey's son in it who looks slightly shut like, up neil goosey's son that's the most contrived right, right trait i've We'd have him playing the piano, shall we? Oh, we right, oh, right, okay. let's, let's sort of like engineer the way that they get in an F fourteen Tomcat and Goose is sat behind him, hmm. you know, and he's saying talk to me, Goose. Would you? Would you would any of this work? Neil, for you? Your idea's rubbish. It's not going to make one point five billion dollars or whatever yeah, this it film made. Just hits the mark. On virtually every point, I just don't, I don't get it. I, I, how they did this film? If you could, bo- if you could bottle the four, I'm the world's worst for. Look, I don't want to see a prequel. I don't want to see a sequel. I don't want to bring a, a, a you know Indiana Jones five. No, fuck, please, no, leave it alone. Ugh. Just leave it alone. Yeah. If you could bottle this formula, I would agree with every bit of milking of any franchise in the world because this was so well done. I don't know how they did it. Well, I, I was quite late to the party watching it. Because I saw it, it had already been out quite a few weeks. And I went in, I suppose Jay did in many respects. I mean, I didn't expect much of it. And when you think of the story, it is a formula. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, formula and yet, hell. Halfway through, I was sitting down thinking, I'm really enjoying yeah, this. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea why. Mm. Yeah. yeah, because and, it's just great entertainment. Yes, and it's, and but it, it's also a super, superbly well made film. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and aside from, I know Rich is quite a big fan of this, but I think I'm right in saying that. So you've got me, Sky, and Steve. Whilst we would say, I'm not going to say I hate Top Gun, but it's not a film I return to. I probably haven't seen Top Gun for 10, 
15, 20 years. I, I always felt that I was wrong to say that I wasn't that fussed on Top Gun because I'm such an 80s fan and I'm such a such a, a cliche when it comes to the 80s that Top Gun is always something that I've just kind of gone, yeah. I, perhaps I was the wrong age when it came out. Yeah. I, I, I just don't know. i just never been bothered. Yeah. However, like I said to Sky, knowing that I was going to be going and seeing Maverick, I rewatched it because I not because I I genuinely didn't think there was going to be any callbacks. I you know a, a, apart from clunky ones, I, I I just wanted to refresh my memory as to the Maverick's character really and and and, and mm. any sort of major plot points. And I I, I thought, do you know what? I've, I've misjudged this film for for the last twenty years. I've yeah. I've I actually enjoyed it a lot more than I expected, and I've no idea why. I can't tell you why it worked for me now and it didn't work for me the three or four times previously I've watched it. But then going into it, it was just, as you say, it was kind of... Yeah. There's very few films over the last few years, granted cinema's been uh, sort of harder to get to, but very few films that have, that have not dipped in the middle, that, that have kind of, I've liked bits of and I've come out relatively satisfied. This was a grin on my face from the moment it started. There was enjoyment, there was emotion, yeah. there was... I just came out absolutely buzzing and desperate to rewatch it. Guys, I'm not going to wait to the end. Right? I've not compiled a list of, you know, in order of my top 10 favourite films this this since I've seen it and I've watched many films since playing catch up on all the stuff I missed out the year this is my film of the year this is the film I've enjoyed more than any other film this year I've only seen it once but I came out of that cinema like I said completely elated and shocked at how much a sequel to Top Gun just completely pulled me in and blew me away yeah. I yeah. think it's just a fantastic I that, film. Uh, I, I was going to say, two of my, two of my f- uh, friends are massive Top Gun fans, and both of them went to the cinema separately, and the pair of them were just, it was just like the greatest gift they'd ever yeah. been given. Yeah. And do you know what, Neil, now? I am now going to cave in, and I am now going to join Bill Scurry's Tom Cruise fan club. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to su- subscribe to that bi-weekly Tom Cruise newsletter that he puts out. <laughs> well, well yeah. Bill has got this Tom Cruise kind of energy. He has got that Tom Cruise yeah. energy, isn't he? He's very, he's very intense. He does his own stunts as well. <laughs> yeah. does. It was great because we actually missed the episode. Uh, we were going to do an episode on this, but we missed it because Bill had come to visit us. And it was always it was weird, wasn't it? Because we were just sat there waiting for him and he just walked out into the hotel lobby, didn't he? And just jumped on the sofa. Yeah. Started bouncing up and down. <laughs> Whoa, so great to see you guys. And I can't believe how good Tom Cruise yeah. fabric is. Yeah. And stuff like that. And it put me off it for a little bit, yeah. you know, because he had that sort of crazy look in his eyes and he was, you know, he's bouncing around and, you know, really sort of hyper-focused on me as he was talking to me and stuff. Yeah. What's he going to be like when those new Mission Impossible films come out? He's just going to be unbearable, mm. isn't he? It's going to be like Tom Cruise month with Bill Scurry. Oh, God. Just to, just to sort of clarify how good Top Gun Maverick is, I gifted my parents the gift of Paramount Plus the other day. Oh, just so they can watch it. God, yeah, there was a, a good there was a, No, there was a Black Friday sale. I got Paramount Plus for half price for it. <laughs> yeah, a good boy. Still I, 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 I gifted them. I said, it's a little link present for you. Go on, you can go on my account. And last night, at about 10.30 last night, which for them is good, because, you know, they're both approaching 80, my mum texted me and said, I enjoyed it more than the first one. But yeah. Um, one of our friends and uh, collaborators, uh, Leighton Winston, I think he's actually said that this is up there with the all-time great sequels. Yeah, so I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I would. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, 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 I tell you what, if you if you were looking at sort of like you know Godfather two, Toy Story two, uh, well, people, people always mention those two in the same sentence. Critters two, Critters two. <laughs> Critters two. <laughs> I ain't got knocked out. I'm a fan of uh, break, Breakdowns two, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you put Top Gun Maverick in that list. Yeah, Piranha two, the spawning. Yeah. Mm, oh. Okay, maybe. <laughs> die Hard two, Die Harder. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, I agree. 
I agree with Leighton. I think it's one of the, the all-time yeah. great sequels. And this is literally only a few months later that we're saying this. Yeah, yeah. And like I say, the, the, the great part, I always think, all jokes aside now, the great part is with a sequel is, like you say, we can look at things like, I don't know, like Predator 2. We, we've all got a sort of like a, a bit of love for that one. Die Hard 2, maybe not so much. Rocky 2, I think, is an underrated film. Great. When you've got these massive, iconic, sort of almost behemoth landmark films, like, you know, the start off these franchises... The best way of looking at a sequel is, could you argue that it's better than the original? And I think with this film, you could argue that this is better than the original. Yeah, And it you goes to show it, you yeah. don't need the original director. No. Yeah. no. God rest his soul, Tony yeah. Scott, yeah. But just to clarify, though, Die Hard 2, big fan. Love it. Yeah, Let's not start him off now, Okay, because right? he'll go on, he'll say, I love Die Hard 2, it's great, blah, blah, blah. But when he fights him on the wing of the plane, honestly, see, I know, Neil, I know Neil so well. Practice. I know him well. Right, anyway, Neil, this is going to, I think, just think, Neil, this next bit is going to be for you and me. Early June 2022, we had the Orville season three. Now, Neil, you binged Seth MacFarlane's third season of his Star Trek inspired sci-fi comedy. How was the third season for you? I think at, at some point, Seth MacFarlane went back in time <laughs> and literally just filmed this when the next generation was being made yeah. and took the best aspects of the next generation and expanded upon them. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I yeah. can't get over how good this is. I almost feel as much as I sort of appreciate like over the years, me and you have just quoted family guy ad nauseum endlessly. But it's almost like as if, like, dude, you've been wasting your life being so fucking funny. Oh, <laughs> because God, yeah. the sort of content and the sort of storylines that are being made in it. And in this sort of day and age we live in where everything has to be sort of, or a sort of a lesson or a message or whatever, he does exactly that. And at no point does any of it feel clunky. Does any of it feel forced? It goes back to the original sort of, what I can imagine, watching the original Star Trek uh, series in the 60s what must have been. Where you go, yeah, kind of little lesson there, yeah, okay, yeah, I appreciate the way that person's thinking, yeah, that's made me look at things differently. Well, see, season one was kind of um, him finding his feet, and oh yeah, know, definitely, it was funny. You could tell that there was a love of Star Trek all over it. Season two took things further, and what we didn't know until season three that season two was starting to sow the seeds of ongoing and recurring story <laughs> threads. Yeah, and then season three comes along. They introduces a new character. Things get particularly dark in certain episodes. I almost don't want to say too much about it. No, I know. I don't want to give give it away for the people who haven't seen it, right? Yeah, in all honesty, this is one of these ones where I don't want to give away too many spoilers because for anyone listening, if you haven't watched it yet, please go give it a try. I mean, it's on Disney Plus now because in the UK and I think it's on Hulu in the US, isn't it? Yeah. Please go give it a try. I'm sure all the back episodes will be on in the US. Yeah, it really is. I told you to watch it. And I still haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Because a friend of mine said to me, right. yeah. it's it's the best Star Trek show since yeah. Deep Space Nine. Now, st- stuff that's been threaded throughout this series is one of the races in it, um, there, there, are no, there are no females on this planet. So they are an entirely male race and males couple and they, they have children. And a lot of the sexual politics which are weaved into the storyline of the show are done through this race. And the fifth episode of season three, called A Tale of Two Topas, is basically them addressing the transgender issue. And, oh my God, if you're going to give an Emmy to anything this year, give it to that episode. I came out of it, I came away from it, I thought, that is Emmy award-winning storytelling. It was phenomenal. And then the sixth episode comes along, 
and it regurgitates or, or brings back up a story that was put in place in the second season. A throwaway story as well. A throwaway story in, in, involving um, Scott Grimes' character of Gordon Malloy. The the moral quandary that the captain and the crew were put in and the choice that they made, which they were completely clear on this choice they had to make, but I was like, it's not that simple. You can't just do that. And the, the level of tension and anxiety I was feeling about the fact that they were willing, in order to maintain the timeline and, and follow their own temporal laws do something which I thought was morally wrong. And I thought, my God, this is no longer an homage to Star Trek with loads of comedy checked in. This is something else. This is now mm. the show that modern Star Trek only wishes it could be. In fact, it doesn't wish oh. it could be it because it wants to be something entirely, something that isn't Star Trek. This, for me, is Star Trek. And this is Star Trek yeah. like the original series, which has got real-world politics just weaved throughout it, but it's done in a way that... <clears throat> It, but it's sold. It's sold to you through a great storyline. A great storyline and great and acting. It's, it's the thing. I, I, there was. There was I, I could name at least four things here where, actually, I'm the world's worst for calling studios out or productions out on. Mm. You're just ticking a box here. You just throw. You, you're changing the gender of this character or the, the yeah. race of this character just to score a point. And this is done in such a way where I don't care because the stories yeah. are so fucking good and I'm so engrossed in what I'm watching that quite honestly you could try and ram home any agenda you wanted to me because it doesn't really matter yeah. because it's set in such a way where I feel for these characters it's so well written and yeah. so, I've got to be honest so well acted as well I mean some of the performances in it are quite shocking I mean McFarlane's not a great actor no, but he knows he's not a great actor Yeah, and with him being in charge he, he knows when to sort of step back almost you know yeah. And the new characters introduced in the first episode of the third season, Charlie Burke, played by Anne Winters. Yeah. I'm not particularly good at picking up on what is going to happen with the storyline, but I very early on thought, do you know what? I think there's something about her character that is going to come to fruition later on, and it did. Yeah. And when it did, I was like, I'm still surprised. And then when what later happens to her happened... I was devastated and I'm like this is a character they've only just introduced at the beginning of the season I'm completely sold on her story now and ultimately where her story arc goes and yeah the, the quality of storytelling was just it was just phenomenal and it puts to shame so much modern television and so much so so much modern franchise television in particular modern Star Trek I think you hit the nail on the head there because TV at the moment you know is all right, there's hit and miss with anything. And I, I suppose with TV, we've got a lot more choice than we have than going to the cinema. There's very good TV out there, but to hit like franchise TV or hit like genre yeah. TV in the way this does, I like I said, I keep sort of holding myself back from blurting stuff out. What I am going to say to you is anyone listening to this, if you enjoy this podcast, if you agree with not just myself, but with just generally a lot of things that are said on this podcast, you don't have to agree with everything that's said on this podcast because we've all got our own opinions and that's great. If you're sort of like, yeah, I enjoy listening to Film 89, I will say there's a 90% chance that you will love this series if you've not yeah. watched it. Yeah, I agree. Because it's just great storytelling and it's, it's so well done. And with each subsequent series, it just gets exponentially better. Without a shadow of a doubt. And like I say, I'm blown away by it. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. It's it's one of the few things that if you said to me now they're not making another season of that, that I would be genuinely upset about. Gen yeah, I would. I really would. Genuinely upset about you know. Yeah. If uh, and if you said to me there was a movie coming out of this or they were gonna they were gonna do like a two hour special on whatever, Hulu, Disney Plus, whatever, I would be genuinely excited about it. Genuinely excited about it. We've got lots more to talk about, so let's move on. Same month, June. We had 
Jurassic World Dominion. Now, Rich, you, Hayden, and I discussed the previous five Jurassic Park or Jurassic World films in episode 21, way back. Mm. What did you think of the sixth film in the series? Um, it was better than um, it was better than the previous, in as much as it retconned a couple of bits and pieces. Um, it was more enjoyable, but it was overall it was pointless. Nothing really, nothing really changed. It was an excuse to bring back the older characters, which wasn't as pleasing to see them on screen as what I'd hoped. It was incredibly forgettable. I, on the previous episode, I spoke about the fact that I quite liked the Jurassic World. In fact, I really liked Jurassic World. I, I thought that it, it, it was for a, a reinvention of, of, of one of my favourite films. It was very well done. Whatever the, the second film was in the Jurassic World trilogy, was that Fallen Kingdom? I can't remember. It, uh, I, I, I just didn't like that. And this was just... I, I can barely remember anything from it. I can't remember really what happened with the characters. I can't remember... What, yeah. what what how it really ended what was I can't remember what the point of it was I know they retconned um, the birth of his stepdaughter yeah they did didn't they they changed that yeah because it was it, it, he'd I'm sure in um, in the second film Fallen Kingdom Fallen Kingdom this Fallen Kingdom was it I'm sure that, that that he created her in the image of his daughter yes and then in the third film Dominion, his daughter created his yeah, granddaughter yeah. which made no yeah it was it was actually yeah, it was actually better. That. It was actually better for me. It was better. That oh, it was a better film than Fallen Kingdom. Um, but and that's and that the introduction of her was a better story. Yeah. Um, there was a couple of bits in it because I like the films with you know I like seeing the dinosaurs and the interactions and I like Chris Pratt in those films. I like um, Bryce Dallas Howard. Bryce Dallas Howard. I like I like her. Yeah. I think they are a good fit uh, for the Jeff universe. Goldblum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what I, um, I, as I said before, I think that the the reintroduction of those characters didn't land as well as what I hoped they would. And the film overall was incredibly forgettable. Agreed. Yeah, I, yeah I agree nothing more to say other yeah. than that. Yeah. I, I really liked um, Jurassic World, before, yeah. the first one. I, I thought that was a, a fresh take on the uh, yeah. on the old story. By the time it came to this one, though, and those new, oh, the old characters coming in, all of a sudden there was too many characters yeah. to follow. Yeah, agreed. And it just couldn't keep up with all the threads. Well, so. the, well the one thread, which, which, which I'm not in for exposition dumps and all the rest of it, but the guy who was the main villain of Dominion is the guy... Who buys the canister of eggs yeah. from Dennis Nedry? Dennis Nedry. Did you pick up on? Did you get that at the time? Yes, I got it. When, I he said, when, he said, when he said Dodgson, and I'm like, well, this yes, is played yes. by the same guy. Yeah, because I, I missed, I missed it. I missed him saying yeah, Dodgson. It was, but I remember having the canister. It just felt like a pointless callback. And unless Neil's got anything else to say about it, I'd much, I'd just rather just move on to the next I've, one, which I've is. I've not seen it, but it wasn't the original actor, was it? No. That's right. Let's leave it at that. Now, let's talk about a film that is a sequel. Came out in July. Thor: Love and Thunder. Jesus Christ! (laughs) Do you know what? I'm going to prove this to you now. I'm going to send you the picture because I'm actually wearing a Thor: Love and Thunder T-shirt as we speak. Is that why you didn't want to record in person with us tonight? (laughs) It's just embarrassment. No, I was given a Thor Love and Thunder photo the other day uh, for Christmas, obviously, by my nephew who buys me lovely presents. He always gets me great stuff, but gave me a Thor Love and Thunder photo because he went, a t-shirt, because he went, you really enjoyed that, didn't you? (laughs) This this is the issue with giving too much creative control to a director. You've nailed down the head right away. Yes. That was, it was well, no, completely. It was, it, was, it was Ragnarok. I loved Ragnarok. I loved the progression of the character of Thor. But by the time this came out, don't get me wrong, when I saw the trailer and it was Thor and Guns N' Roses, I thought, how can you possibly get this wrong? I love Guns N' Roses and I love Thor. And then I watched the film and whilst there were bits that raised the odd smile, there were character bits that I 
thought were okay. I quite liked the revisit of Jane. It was a very poorly explained way of her becoming the mighty Thor. That felt very that felt very clunky. But the film itself, it was it was a Saturday Night Live skit. It felt like a parody of something which when Kenneth Branagh made Thor we all thought how the hell are they going to make Thor how can and Kenneth Branagh is going to do a big budget Marvel film this is ridiculous by the time we've got to this it felt like Thor from the Incredible Hulk TV series it was just nonsense and ridiculousness and way too far comedy rather than the kind of kind of the, the more subtle but the comedy sort of seeping in with Ragnarok the actual funny sequences this just felt for me but almost slapstick. Yeah. It was just uh, too let me, broad. Let me, let me give you an example here, Rich, because I'm completely agreeing with you that just because someone directs a film doesn't mean that they should be automatically given the green light to then write and direct the sequel. And I'm going to use Taika Waititi, and I'm going to use Patty Jenkins as an example. Oh, perfect, yeah. Neil. Perfect. Yeah. But because let me just... we all loved Wonder Woman, but we didn't love Wonder Woman 84. When you've made a funny Thor film, don't double down on it, yeah. because yeah. then... It loses its mystique. You're missing yeah, the point. Of, you're missing the point, aren't you? It wasn't just a funny film. It was a damn good story. Yeah, exactly. That's what yeah. I'm saying. And, and the humour. You've looked at it now with Ragnarok, and you've yeah. gone, "Why did Ragnarok work? Oh, because Taika Waititi came in and he introduced a comic element to it. No, it that added to the good story. That added to the film. Thor, Thor needed a reinvention, yeah. didn't he? By he that did. point, he did. Yeah, after Thor, um, uh, Thor: The Dark World. Yeah. They were like I completely agree with Richard. There were bits of this film which were just parody, and like you say, bad parody. Yeah. I mean that opening scene with the Guardians, and he's doing the sort of Jean Claude Van Damme. Jesus sort Christ! Of split the split. Between. Yeah. And I was like, the split from the cause outfit. Was it cause outfit? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Christ. It's disappointing, really, because I, I mean, I'm a big Sam Raimi fan. I say, yeah, I'm a big Sam Raimi fan, and of course, Doctor Strange, I, I hate. I don't like that character at all. So I didn't go see it because of that. But mm. Sam Raimi made three of my favourite comic book films of all time. The first two, uh, Spider-Man and Dark. Oh, and, Dark Man, yeah. You know, I love those films. Yeah. And now Taika Waititi, I'm a huge fan of yeah. him. Yeah, he's done some you brilliant know. stuff. He's so yeah. hard. Yeah. You know I mean, what we do in the shadows, the builder people, the um, well, Jojo Rabbit. Well, it's in Paranormal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Taika Waititi. I think he's, you know, he, he's great in what he does, but it was almost as if, they let him get away with too much here. And every now and then you need someone just to rein you in a little bit. Yeah, but they seem to be taking good directors. Like, um, with the Eternals was the director of Nomadland. Nomadland was a fantastic which, yeah, film. Yeah, brilliant but film. There was yet, nothing, nothing in that film to, that made me think. There's something about Marvel which is um, is making you know great directors uh, lesser. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but conversely with that, I mean, I like Looper, you know? I don't, yes. I don't, I don't, I don't mind Knives Out. Yeah, but... Uh, Look at the films give, Ryan Johnson made on the side of that. You know, I agree. And I think with Taika Waititi, he sort of hit like the, the, the bottle with Ragnarok. He came on and the story was there and he was given, you know, and he could add his little bit to it. He could add his, if you like, he could flavour the dish. And then with this, he spoiled it. Yeah, there was a time we would have happily done a full episode on any sequel or follow-up to Thor yeah. Ragnarok or any mm. further thing of that character. All I'm going to say is two things. I'm going to plug a YouTuber that has put this all together in a far more concise way than I could. The Critical Drinker did a video where he compared Thor Ragnarok to Thor Love and Thunder by comparing two scenes, one from each film, and that was the the stage play yeah. that is done with um, Matt Damon and um, 
Sam Neill and um, Liam uh, Liam Hemsworth. Is it yeah. Liam Hemsworth? Yeah, Liam, the other Hemsworth yeah. brother. Yeah, the brother. He compares that to the similar scene in Thor Ragnarok, and through that comparison, points out everything that's wrong with Thor: Love and Thunder. The other thing I'm going to say is, aside from go watch that video, this is probably my least favorite film of 2022, and it pains me to say that, but I genuinely, in two hours of watching this film, was thinking. I got a tax return to fill in by the end of the year. Maybe I should do that now. <laughs> well, it surprised me considering what was coming a couple of months later. Hmm. Right, well, we'll... we'll... <laughs> and the thing is, would you want to see it? I love Hemsworth as well. I think he's great. Yeah. I think he's fantastic. But I think, hasn't he, Neil, turned around now and said that he's not happy with this? Yeah, he's, he sort of yeah. said he wants to do a sort of you know, ground down back to basics, Thor and stuff. Yeah, but if you've if you like, I, I've seen some of the assembled documentaries on um, on Disney Plus, and I was I was interested to see what what kind of how they presented the production of Thor: Love and Thunder, and I watched that, and he is all for him and Taika doing oh, yeah. their thing, and uh, and I think that why he's after the event. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Oh no, you're right, there. No, that's a, no, you're, that's a fair point. Yeah. yeah, because yeah, if he's, he's been genuine about it, why is he... he... He did say beforehand, he said he felt like he was being directed by a deranged seven-year-old, but he said it in such a way that it was almost like a door in the fact that he was being directed by a deranged seven-year-old. I Like you said, I think it's... Uh, I, I think he's very wise after the event. He's the only surviving member of, of the sort of big three, if you like, because I, I suppose you could, include, you could include the Hulk, but so if you, you've got rid of Cap, you've got rid of Stark... He's he's the he's the remaining sort of like star player, isn't he? If they're gonna bring Thor back after this, they really need to pull out all the stops because this was damaging to the point. And I never thought I'd see the place where you could say that, where one movie has killed off such an established character. For me, I don't want to see Path Five of Thor's no, story. You have summed this up perfectly. There, nearly you have. Anyway. Early August saw another film which got its own episode of Film 89, the latest entry in the Predator franchise, Prey, which Martin Castle and I uh, reviewed on episode 83. But what did you guys think of it? I really enjoyed it. I haven't disliked any of the Predator films, apart from you know Alien Predator. You know. But no, I haven't. Not even The Predator? Well, I haven't seen the Predator. Oh, that's it. Yeah, um, which is you know episode sixteen, I believe. Yeah, Neil. yes, I know. You'd like talk me out of it, but um, of the ones I've seen, you know, Predator is you know a masterpiece. Predator Absolutely. Two is Great just film. is just you know fantastic as well. Even Predators passes the time compared to the Predator. Predators is a masterpiece. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Prey was you know the reinvention that we needed. The CGI splatter, I've got no time for that at no, all. No, I agree. You mean, you need um, actual practical effects. Mm. CGI blood just doesn't work at no, all. No, You know, but um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. It was uh, it was a good reinvention. I don't need to say anything about it, because obviously I discussed it in depth with Martin. Neil? Let me tell you something. There's nothing I hate more, right, than Hollywood getting hold of something, turning it on its ass, yeah, making it, uh, let's make the lead a female, Less, you know, let's do it on the cheap and do it on, you know, straight to DVD or no, we'll do it straight to streaming. Just completely messing it up, completely ruining the Predator franchise. It's already been ruined, but just spitting on the memory of the those first two good films. I don't want to see this film at all. Then I watch the film and I go, oh my God, they've made a fucking good movie. Yeah. You know, I yeah. was so against this film. I thought, oh, this is going to tick every box. This is going to be awful. This is going to be 
It was a really good film. I will agree with Steve. There were certain parts you could see the budget, with, especially with the CGI. Yeah, that, that, that did let it down. But yeah. that didn't even bother me. It didn't even bother me, to be honest. In fact, I don't need to have bells and whistles if the story's good. My, my biggest problem, the, the one that me and Martin pointed out, was the fact that the creature himself was left. Yeah, down. I would have liked the Predator to look more like the Predator. And he was, he, was a bit, he was a bit shit, wasn't he, really? I don't really understand. I know they were trying to sort of introduce him Predators the sort of like different variants of the predator if you like but this was almost as if they were trying to say that it was like sort of like uh sort of like a neanderthal version of the predator that was the impression i got yeah. Yeah, i was like, like oh, a teenage is... predator yeah i, yeah. I, I, I yeah, don't yeah, understand yeah. what they were doing with it. and again with that the predator is such a sort of iconic look to it that you don't really need to fuck with that formula you don't really need to change it around that much I agree with one thing. The ending, the way that he's dispatched at the end, it was almost as if Jar Jar Binks was in the suit. Yeah. 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 And but, us, yeah. but yeah, i got to be honest. I, I went to this with such low expectations. It was generally nice to come away from... I wish I'd have been... I, I wish I'd had a cinema release and like you and Steve had gone and watched it and sort of said to me, oh, go on, Lee, give, give it a chance, mate. Give it a chance. Go and watch it. I, I reckon you'll enjoy it. You know, it was almost a waste that it was on... Straight to, yeah, straight to streaming. But by the same token, I'm just glad that film got made. And I really hope now that they don't mess it up. Because the easiest thing in the world, we've all seen the sort of the fan posters now. The easiest thing in the world now is like, I'm going to put Predator v Samurai or Predator v whatever, you know, Predator in World War Two or World War One or whatever. I really hope that they do something like that. But I really hope they don't mess it up as a result. Because this film really didn't deserve to be as good as it was and it, it, you know it talked a maverick me if you like you know i was like sort of like oh wow oh so someone still cares about making good films as you've been discussing that neil I, i've been doing a little checklist neil go i've got right well established franchise check mm-hmm. female lead check lots of cgi check that brings us on neil to something i have been busting to talk about i know you have because we're just huge fans of it because later that same month, we were blessed with She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. <laughs> and again with this, I thought to myself, they're never going to make this work. And I came away thinking, what a great show. <laughs> wow. Honestly, I have never been so compelled to watch such a bad show in my life. I, I got to be honest, me and, you, me and you were almost like, sort of like, almost hate watching it. I don't know, I was just enjoying the comments we were making each other happen. I, I think we were. There's such a thing as, uh, I've heard of the phrase car crash TV. This yeah. was a multi-fucking pile-up. Do you know what, Neil, right? I actually got into a bit of a routine towards the end of the season where at a certain point towards the end of the week, I'd see that I had a pile of ironing to do. And when I did it, I'd put She-Hulk on, on the iPad and put it on the... Uh, the, the, the bedside table and I'd do some ironing watching it and the ironing would take ages because I'd be messaging Neil halfway through saying you're not <laughs> going to believe where they've gone Neil you're not going to believe it and every time I did it for some reason you'd be working from home or whatever and you'd be watching and you'd be like oh my god what are they I doing I was watching it while I was working from home let's just clarify that in your lunch break in your lunch break <laughs> yeah. they were they were bite-sized episodes there was one episode I watched and I texted you saying have you seen Siong and you said I can't watch it till tonight and I was genuinely disappointed yeah I was like, I can't have a laugh until later now. I've had to, I've had to like swallow this bilge, and I can't have a laugh afterwards. I actually saw the first episode of this, right? And I remember thinking, when she turns into the hug for the first time, I thought, well, she took that well. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd be devastated. I just think you've got such a missed opportunity there, because she's a well-liked character by the, the comic book fans anyway. She's great in the books. You basically had a chance to go, all oh, right, we're going to do female Deadpool now. 
you know, and just have a great funny series. If you wanted to do a funny series, that would have been great. I don't understand what this series was trying to do. It wasn't appealing to any demographic that I could think would enjoy. You know, people obviously did enjoy it. Some people go online and say they enjoyed it. So people did enjoy it. You know, you know, do you remember when you messaged me earlier and you said, hand over to Rich, and when he talks to her, we later added him out. Rich, what did you think of She-Hulk? <laughs> anyway, August also gave us the Game of Thrones prequel, House of the Dragon. <laughs> Right, well, I'm going, to quanti- I'm going to qualify the comments that I made. I watched She-Hulk a lot later than you guys did. I didn't watch it week by week. We watched it. I watched it with my wife over about three nights, I think it was, and we watched all the episodes back to back. And I am going to echo what I said before about, maybe not benefit, but the point of watching things when you're watching a few together, you sort of see the better things. All I know is, is that was disposable nonsense, but I, it didn't offend me. And I just kind of, I lost a couple of nights to watching it. And there were the, the bits that made me laugh, of which I can't remember what they were, so that speaks volumes. But at the time, I remember thinking, it was all right. It was, it, we knew it was a comedy. We knew it was a comedy. We knew that it was breaking the fourth wall. We knew all this sort of stuff. And I, and I did quite enjoy the nonsense of it. I'm Rich, not going to tell you it's please good. Stop. I love no, no, no. Please. I'm not, not going to tell you it's good because it's not good. But it doesn't. I, I didn't need it to be good. It was just kind of. It was just nonsense. Then <laughs> tick that box. <laughs> it was just nonsense. But then, but the one thing that does stick in my mind. Now I get. When, by the time we get to the final episode, the final episode started on a high, and that was the um, the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, but it, but I it was the last that. episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I loved that. But then, as that episode went on, the I can accept. I th- I've said this to you a message before. When I actually started to analyse it and properly think about the program because like I said I watched it over about three or four nights the the the, the breaking the fourth wall and everything is it, it, fine it's okay I don't really like it because it's I like being in the universe and anything which takes you out of it even though I appreciate they did it in the comics but it whereas I'm going to contradict what I was saying before about the fact that different things are different people for me when you've got a character so tied to a main Avenger being the Hulk um, the knowledge that she was a character and, and that break in the fourth wall doesn't... It, it pulls me out of what Given is a weak story anyway, right? But when we got to the last episode, in, in an attempt to kind of smash the fourth wall and kind of and, and, and be remembered for, for doing it, oh, it Rich, went on, way too far. Shark, there's, there's jumping the oh, shark. Oh, yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying. And that's what I'm saying. It completely jumped the shark. It was, it was absolutely... That was... That was that was end of fifth season kind of we're really struggling here now what are we going to do what are we going to do to, to keep people interested we haven't got a cohesive story ending so nope. we're going to smash the fourth wall and we're going to make whatever ending we want and and there was and a cop out that, yeah it was it was a cop out disguised as something clever and and and, and, and i and i will entirely there were bits through it that i, I quite liked her there were certain bits of maybe sort of raise a smile it wasn't offensive it got to the end I was, I'm not going to say I was a fan of it. It was okay. I stuck with it. By the end of it, I got no interest in seeing a season two because it just kind of shut on everything. There will never be a season two. I think it's already been canned anyway, isn't it? Yeah. yeah there will never be a season two to this because this is, this, is a, this is a failed experiment and it went badly wrong and it went badly wrong massively. I, I, I'm far less offended by poorer quality MCU stuff than you guys are. I can sit and watch stuff that passes the time and is a bit of a dabble into you've people's gotta, characters. You've got to know your background. You can't yeah, 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 yeah. And, and this, and can't the, have... Going back to the issues with Disney+, Plus, um, I, on this podcast, said a couple of years ago that I could watch these characters doing anything at all. I am I'm, I'm eating humble pie over those comments because by this point now, 
we, we are again whatever circumstances from the outside we're now getting to the point where things are uninterrupted productions from from covid and all the rest of it so now we're seeing actually they intended things to turn out this way it was a, as I said, it was a failed experiment um I, I'd, be, I'd be comfortable seeing her again in, in whatever Hulk follow-up yeah. comes about. She Definitely. as Her as She-Hulk, I'm happy with. Yeah, I liked her as She-Hulk. Yeah, I'm happy with that. Yeah. The she's, concept of the programme is not good. No. Yeah, she's she's a great actress. I've got to be honest. She, she actually stopped it from being a complete train wreck. I agree. But when you have... Jennifer, was it Jennifer Walters is her name? Yeah. yeah. When you have her telling Bruce Banner... You don't know what it's don't, like to suffer. That, that scene in the first episode, right. that was it. Know your fucking, know your fucking audience, and know yeah. your fucking backstory. And to me, from that point on, I was like, what, "You're telling probably the most tortured soul in the MCU." Yeah, his, his he watched his father kill his mother. He <laughs> lost the love of his life. Yeah, he he pretty much he's had more loss and pain than any other MCU character. Mm. But she gets catcalled by a guy, and mm. she's got more. And she can't oh, speak. She can't speak up for herself because she, if she does, she'll be harassed or possibly possibly murdered. murdered. And you're yeah. like, what are these? <laughs> what are these writers who live in a Los Angelino bubble of silliness? Have they got no concept of the real world? So to, to sum it up, then um, what uh, you're saying, Neil, is that it's a show of the multi, It's a multi-car pileup, but it's not a train wreck. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, a multi. Yeah. I, I'm gonna be honest, right? If it wasn't yeah. for her performance, yeah. Right, it would be a complete. The whole scene. I'm gonna be. I'm right. Even even taking into account her performance, because I think she's quite a good actress. So I'm not gonna knock her. It's a multi-car pilot with a train wreck landing on top of it. Neil, I've just had your WhatsApp message you sent me, mate. Um, that says Sky. Can you just edit out everything Richard just said? So anyway, <laughs> August. <laughs> August also gave us the Game of Thrones prequel, House of the Dragon. Now, oh, let me tell you, Sky. Straight away, I thought to myself, they ruined Game of Thrones. They're going to do some sort of prequel. It's going to be rubbish. They've got Matt Smith as the bad guy. I don't want to watch this. And then I sat down and went, oh my God, they Top Gun Maverick there. Yeah. Really? I've only seen the first three episodes. Because I, yeah, I haven't seen any of it. Because I, I, I had that opinion. Everything I've seen so far points towards it. And again, it... I've, I've seen a lot of comments that it's bet this first season is better than the first season of Game of Thrones. No, and it's if not. you were, if you objectively believe that, then that's no. great, and I'm not going to argue. No. From my point of view, it's not, no. but it is somewhat of a redemption. Yeah, <laughs> to it the is. Game of it is. And I got to be honest, Matt Smith is super. I mean, I'm a, no secret, I'm a big Doctor Who fan. He's had a bit of a rough time. You know, he's in Morbius. <laughs> you know, he's in Terminator. Which one? Which Terminator was in Genesis? Dark wasn't Fate. He? Yeah, he's had a, he's had a go at cracking Hollywood before, haven't he? Yeah, but mate, it's, it's the stuff with Matt Smith that he doesn't get the credit for. He was absolutely phenomenal in the Crown, phenomenal. Dude, get go past episode three because you're about to sort of go. I know. Oh, this is he's next this level. Is him doing what he can really do, but not just that. Paddy Constantine, Paddy Constantine, the, the, the two fantastic girls, fantastic performances throughout yeah, this. The, the, the girl that ends up marrying Pad, Pad, yeah. Paddy Constantine's character, and then. Um, the young Targaryen girl, a brilliant. I know there's a an a, a big time jump coming. I liked I liked the time jumps in it. So I, I saw a few pe- people sort of criticising that. The, you know the sort of time jumps. I liked the time jumps with it. It was it was obviously they're going to do a season two. But if if they didn't do a season two, is this just a self contained sort of like I don't know if it was eight episodes or ten episodes. I can't remember what, how many the length was of the season. But if it was just one season and self contained, yeah. I'd be quite happy with that. It's really, I, I'm really shocked by how good this was. Yeah. 
Speaking of um, series, which uh, we don't want to spoil too much on, and in particular you and Richie, I don't need to spoil too much about this because I've still not seen it. Early September, so season five of Netflix's Cobra Kai, which I have still not seen. <laughs> I've still not seen the guys. Have I just? It, there's just been too much on. Much, much in the same fashion as the other Cobra Kai's. If you look at it subjectively, it's garbage. It's. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's the best it's, kind of it's, garbage. It's, it's, yeah. it's absolute shit, and it shouldn't be what. I absolutely love Cobra Kai, and I make no excuses same. for it. Yeah, it's it's much, it's more of the same, and it slightly improves. It definitely improves on the last season. But it's interesting. It was filmed at the same time, wasn't it? That's how we've had it so quickly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, to be completely honest with you, the only way I can compare Cobra Kai to it is fast food, but it's good fast food, yeah. and mm. I re- I'm never going to stop wanting fast food. You know, Do you remember um, when I talked you into watching it, and I said... Sorry, you uh, didn't talk me into watching it, I watched it when it was on YouTube Red, I talked you did. into watching it. He I did, so, watch so did I. YouTube Red. So did I. Oh, you watch it before him. <laughs> no, but we, the conversation we were having was, it was kind of like, at the end of every single episode, you're smiling. Yeah. You just yeah. kind of, it just, it's just, it's nonsense, but it's that right amount of, it's the maverick, it's the kind of, yeah. we don't quite know what it's doing, it's very aware of itself, it's just... Now, what I will say—it doesn't say take to you, itself seriously. And yet somehow it does. Yeah. yeah. I, I, now, I would honestly say that we're now at the point with Cobra Kai that we're looking at wrapping it up. I would say we should be. We, yeah. we say that every season, Richard, and every season we have the same conversation at the yeah. end of the next mm. season. I do think. I do think that it's. I do think that now we're looking at coming to an end. I really do, and I'd be happy to see a final season of it where it ties up all the loose ends. That's what I think. Right. This next one, guys. I'm not even going to do the my. The, the, the fake I've used probably at least twice, maybe three times now. And I feel really bad having to bring this up after our last episode, Rich, but early September saw yet another show to get its own dedicated episode of Full 89. Ah, that was The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. I wasn't going to watch this guy. I thought this would be complete garbage. And then, do you know, I didn't watch it. It was complete garbage. Wasn't it? <laughs> it was. Listen to my comments on The Two Towers and what are we, four months later? And I'm still three and a half episodes into Rings of Power. So yeah. that tells there you, you go. Just go back to that yeah, episode. It looks gorgeous. It does. It looks, it looks gorgeous. <laughs> Have you watched it? I've seen the first two episodes. It, it, and yeah, yeah, that sums it up. Yeah, it, it looks, looks gorgeous. gorgeous. But then, Steve, they, they paid a billion dollars. They spent a billion mm-hmm. dollars mm-hmm. on a show. It got to look gorgeous. But I'm not going to... Uh, myself and John Arminio, we d- dedicated the whole episode to the show. Go back and listen to what we said about it then because I stand by everything I said. Late September 22. Oh, thank God. Something good. Netflix dropped. And this this title. I'm still baffled by this title. Dharma dash monster uh, colon the Jeffrey Dharma story. That's a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> but aside from the, the clunky title, has any, have you, any of you seen this? No, I've watched it. Yeah, I've seen the yeah. first episode, yes. Neil, have you seen it all? I've watched it all the way through, yeah. I blown away by Evan Peters' performance, I've got to be honest. Um yeah. it's 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 quite a strange sort of setup because it jumps back and forth a bit, doesn't it? And it gives you a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and you think it's going one way and then it goes another. I don't know if what we're seeing is a true representation of everything that happened. There's always a bit of sort of creative license and stuff like that. Yeah. I didn't come away and that was the one thing I by about sort of midway through it, I was thinking I don't want to feel sorry for him. I that that was a lot. Like, they, this show was getting a lot of criticism for the fact that early on people felt that they were glorifying, and then just at the right time, don't they? They start to show things from the victims' when perspective. When you deal with actual events and actual yeah. victims, I don't want to feel sorry for that no. person, no matter what their background is, because they still did that thing. Yeah, 
I like felt they pulled it back to a certain degree. You know, it, it's easy to sort of sensationalize things, and I think they walked a very fine line they at did. certain points. Yeah. But I, on the whole, I thoroughly enjoyed the series. Yeah, I got, it was fantastic. That sounds terrible when you talk about something that really happened to people, but yeah. I did thoroughly enjoy it. But then we, we thoroughly enjoyed Zodiac, and yeah, you know that was based on a true story as well. Mm. Yeah, for me, um, I think one of the one of the certainly one of the best shows I'd seen all year. Right. <sighs> We go up, we go back down. Mid-October saw the third film in the recent revival of the legendary Halloween franchise with David Gordon Green's Halloween Ends. Now, I know Neil and Richie haven't seen this. I had the pleasure, in inverted commas, of seeing this with Steve. And I have to say, without hesitation, and as a lover of the Halloween franchise, this is the, one of the worst films. In fact, I think, Steve, this has to be the worst film I've seen all year. Well, when you said that about, yeah. what was it? Um, Thor, Love and Thunder. Yeah, yeah, I was quite surprised because yeah. I thought, do you no. really remember? Did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's PTSD, I'm putting, putting behind me a traumatic experience. And Steve, I considered doing an episode on this film with you and Alexandria Daniels, but after seeing it and nearly spewing our guts up in the car park afterwards, I think we, we just decided against it for the right reasons. Steve, share my pain. Oh, well, well first of all, it's the story's stupid. Fucking beyond stupid. <laughs> yes. The whole idea of um, Michael Myers living in a, a sewer. sewer for many, many years and still killing and still surviving is just... On pizza, with, maybe? With the, uh, does he have a pet rat that I, trains him? I, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, but then he seems to psychically pass his, his killing instinct, his um, whatever he's got to this young boy who then goes on off and kills these people it's so ridiculous and, and the worst thing about it is it's also really boring wow. it's so dull there was moments in there that I was you know it's very very rare this happens when I was in the cinema and I was looking around at the people around me thinking are they watching the same thing as I would they seem to be you know at least watching the screen I'm, I don't know what I'm seeing I don't know what I'm watching this is just horrendously bad Halloween kill me now <laughs> <laughs> You know, Steve, I think the only saving grace is the fact that we didn't pay to see her. Yes, I know. It's the only saving grace. I was going to say, Steve, you know, because you know, when we went to watch Doctor Sleep, you know, I'm no fan of the horror genre. Yeah. But I'm aware of the sort of mythos, you know, the sort of backstory of you know Halloween. How do you get that wrong? Oh, Neil, they got it so wrong, you won't believe it. And Halloween is, you know, there's loads of films in the Halloween franchise, and it's got some absolute stinkers. But to think that, given how really good the 2018 well, oh, the 2018 version is really, yeah, really and they've, like they've fallen that, how, so far. How do you go from that to this? Yeah. Right. Well, well, where did Kills fall within that? Weird, the, out of these three films, the only one we've done an episode on is Kills. We, the, the biggest missed opportunity, I think, since we've had this podcast, is not doing a 40th anniversary on Halloween mm. and doing Halloween 2018 at the same time. And unfortunately, it's, because 2018 of, is the first one of the new trilogy. Yeah. yeah. And it, that's, it's, the, that's the one I saw, which I was like, sort of like, because I think I've only ever seen. The first Halloween, there's in the John Carpenter Halloween. Yeah. Obviously, I've seen Season of the Witch because that's a fucking masterpiece, but that's not Agreed. a Halloween film. That's just got the, yeah. the title, but it's got a really catchy tune. And then I've seen the, the would have been the 2018 film, which is the, the yeah. first of the new trilogy. That's all you need to do, Neil. You don't need to see Kills, and you certainly don't need to well, see Ends. Uh, Kills has got a good idea. It's not, yeah, um, it has. It's not executed very well at all, no, but I like the idea behind it. Yeah, I agree. But with Halloween Ends, you swear that. It was completely different writer, completely different yeah. director. We'd never seen any of the other previous films, because even the character 
Well, you know, um, Jamie Lee Curtis. She's completely different at the beginning of yeah. this as she was at the end of the last totally, one. Totally, yeah. Is this the same guy that's done the... the, the new David th- Gordon Green. He's done all three of the same new films, yeah? He's done all three, but you don't think he'd Neil, seen you, them. Honestly, Neil, you wouldn't believe that... Um, you, you wouldn't believe how, like, Kills is bad, but still laughably enjoyable. This is just offensively bad. Wow. At the end of... Um, well, in Halloween Kills, Jamie Lee Curtis is doing the Terminator 2... Um, Sarah, Sarah Connor. Connor yeah, she is. And then all of a sudden, at the beginning of... Um, Halloween ends. She's a housewife with frilly skirts yeah, and you know nineteen fifties kind of. You know, totally think, different. What? Yeah, totally different. Um, yeah, yeah. It's slant. It, it's just bizarre. Oh, I mean, let's let's move on. It's awful. Yeah. It's awful. You've got to think with that. I've not even seen a film. You've got to think the point where Jamie Lee Curtis must have said, "Well, wait." Neil, having listened to, she was I under think, contract. Yeah, she was under yeah, contract. Is it a sort of Mark Hamill uh, thing? Yeah, I, yeah, I listened to her appearance. I think she was on Mick Garris, wasn't she? For both of these films, and she. She didn't say too much about it, to be honest. Right. Yeah. So then, what have we got next? Right. Another DC Warner Brothers comic book film, Black Adam, starring box office guarantee of success, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. It's a 7 out of 10. <laughs> Not even. Yeah, but. No, I've not seen it. No. I well, seen I, I, I've seen it. I've no doubt scoring a seven out of ten. <laughs> I, I, it, it's just. It's a. Yeah, okay. It's, 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 it's the most probably meh film I've seen this year. It's, and, and, you know. He's wanted to make this one for 10 years. It was going to change the landscape of it, take out all of the gun and saffron stuff. You know, it was going to be a case of with Dwayne Johnson involved in the DC universe, perhaps now we might start to see something um, with with just a hint of continuity and thought and all the rest of it. And then from everything that I've heard, it's just, it's just another sort of mediocre... It's nothing you haven't already seen. Yeah. It's genuinely nothing you haven't already seen. It, unfortunately, and don't get me wrong, I think you know he's the greatest living human on the planet at the moment. But don't you just think with The Rock? I mean, I, I, I said all jokes. I love The Rock. He's he's fantastic. The Rock really needs to do something good, doesn't he? Has The Rock ever made a good film? Yes. San what? Andreas. True story of one man saving the world from all sorts of uh, natural disasters. It's a, it's it's a true story. <laughs> it's a fantastic film. No, The Rock has made some. He's been in some good films. I mean, all jokes aside, I, I, the thing the I was, was all right. It's a family film. Yeah, Fa- it, Fast Five, uh, right, the greatest no, action right, films yeah, of all Fast time. Five. Right, okay, but <laughs> I, I could go on the Neil. Fast franchise because we'll be here all night. Baywatch. <laughs> Neil, what? I got Neil. Where's I can keep rocks? going. Where's the Rock's Terminator? Where's the Rock's Pain and Gain? That's Pain and Gain. I, I'm going to keep going, Neil. You, you've asked the wrong question. You know, right? Welcome to the jungle. What? Welcome, Welcome to the, the jungle. jungle. Thank you very much. Yeah. That's that's the film we want to watch. Yeah, not this crap. I, I think no. I think for our international viewers, that's also known as the low down or the take down or something. No, no, he's on the Welcome to the Jungle. The Dis- oh no, you're not. No. The rundown. The rundown. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the rundown. Yeah. Yeah, it's so what am I thinking of Jungle yeah, Cruise? Jungle Cruise, yeah. Jungle that Cruise. was Jungle Cruise. Jungle Cruise is amazing. Yeah. Jumanji. The two Jumanji films. Yeah. Oh, the no, first the Jumanji, the first no, let me tell you something. The Jumanji films are kindergarten cop. They're, um, the, they're, the, they're the fun film that the action hero does. Oh, to yeah. But The Rock needs to really do a Terminator or a Rambo. He needs an established... He needs Based to stop thinking about, doesn't he? ...action hero. Because how great was a coked-up uh, Rock in Pain Again? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. There you go. Yeah. Was, wasn't he in the Tooth Fairy? He was in the Tooth Fairy. <laughs> yeah. Not a film I expected to come up tonight. But, hey, uh... let me tell you something. My son, my son, who's now far too old to to you know watch such things, that was his going to bed film for about two years. 
Yeah. We used to watch the first 15 minutes of the, the Tooth Fairy, and then you'd fall asleep. And I think, I, I think I'm pretty sure, even to this day, if you sat me down in front of a, a typewriter or a computer, that I could type the first 15 minutes of that film as a screenplay. <laughs> anyway, come on. Moving on, October also saw the release of Martin McDonough's The Banshees of Inishirin, which reunited director McDonough with Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson after their brilliant 2008 comedy crime drama In Bruges. Bruges. Any of you seen Banshees? I have, yes, and I think it's my film of the year. Film of the year, Steve. I loved it. I really, really loved it. Neil, have you seen it? It's on my list, and if circumstances had been different, I'd have been able to talk about it tonight, but unfortunately, I was going to watch it last night, and so it came up, and I couldn't watch oh, it. Neil! <laughs> but I can't wait to see it, i got to be honest, because I love In Bruges. And, yes. um, yeah, it's a, it's a different film to In Bruges. Yeah, yeah. Very it is, and but I think you've got two great actors in. Yeah, little, yeah. little snippets I've seen in from what you told me and what Jim's told it me and stuff great. like that. I need yeah. to see this film. I guarantee, Neil, you've never seen uh, a four-legged beast of burden die in a way that it does in this film. <laughs> and when it happens, you'll be like, well, that's just genius. That's all I'm going to say. But no, i got to say, it's darkly, darkly, darkly comic. Oh, it's so dark. It's really dark. It's, it's basically about depression. The only thing that lets it down. Funny. Yeah, it is, yeah. The only thing that lets <laughs> the film down for me is the ending. I think yeah. it was a non-ending and I sometimes a non-ending can work but this film, the way it ended, didn't make me feel anything. And oh, if I an ending to a film doesn't make me feel ending. anything, then it, I, I, it, it's not worked for me. After everything that happened, you couldn't have had it wrapped up in a nice bow. You couldn't have, it couldn't have worked. Mm. And, you know. Yeah, but Either oh, way, I I, ending, but, um, Neil Ritchie, I recommend you watch it because yeah, it's, it's just, it's so different to all the crap that we've, we've been force-fed for the last couple of years. And it just goes to show that independent film made by people who are not telling conventional stories dictated by studios is just something that we are sorely lacking. It had completely escaped me. And then I saw I, I Colin Farrell and Ben Gleeson were on Graham Norton or Jonathan Ross or a chat, some chat yeah. show. And that's how Disney when I saw that, I just thought, yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah, they did, didn't they? Yeah. But no, no it, it's yeah. worth in colourful. It's, it's fantastic. Guys, yeah. put, put, it's so pathetic. Put, put, put it top of the top of your list yes, after Triple yeah. R. Anyway, also in October, and just in time for Halloween, we had the Guillermo del Toro written and produced Cabinet of Curiosities. And once again, for me, as much as it looked look glorious, I found it a bit lacking in the writing. And aside from the brilliant third episode, The Autopsy, featuring F. Murray Abraham, and I have to say, the final episode, The Murmuring, the rest were just a bit underwhelming in terms of the stories they were telling. But honestly, that last episode was genuinely brilliant, and it did have me basically pissing in my pants. I need to get, to, get back to it, because I've yeah. seen the first... Is it three episodes? The last one was with F. Murray Abraham. That was That's the autopsy. The but the the second one for me was just so funny. The one with the rats. Mm. I've got a very dark sense of humour. Yeah. And I just laughed all the way through it. And it didn't make any sense. No. You know, I didn't know who this strange supernatural creature was in the um, in, in the mines. I didn't care because there was just so many rats in it. See, the... and it was just so funny. And this poor man. <laughs> crappy Sorry, I've, I've got the wrong it's not the ninth episode it was the eighth episode was the murmuring the final one because mm-hmm. yeah, it's an eight episode series but the seventh episode the viewing is going so well and Peter Weller is like the main I don't know if you want to call him an antagonist in it or the other and you just think what's this leading to and what it leads to is just like really yeah. that's it and, and that's what I felt like about a lot of these episodes but hmm 
Steve, yeah, your, it's, it's, your, it's, your continue watching section on your on your streaming apps would mess with my <laughs> mess with my OCD because you've started everything <laughs> but I not got past episode one I, I, I am terrible with, because I, I don't have much time so what I tend to do is if, if I've got time to watch them I'll watch a film Yeah. to actually watch 10 episodes yeah. of a series I yeah. think to myself I can't commit yeah. to that I could watch 4 or 5 films in yeah. that time yeah I, I was going to say with that I'll be completely honest it's one I've been meaning to watch and I actually put it in the, the favourites thing on Netflix to watch. And it, the impression I've always had with that is it's going to look better but not be as good as Black Mirror. Oh, Neil, it's, it doesn't, oh, it's very different doesn't even compare to Black Mirror. Nothing, no. No, no because it's like an anthology thing. Yeah. Just like it's Del Toro. And I'm yeah. always, I always come away thinking that looked really good, but I'm slightly undersold. Yes, there. and that's what this is. Apart yeah. from two episodes... One of which is really good, and the other which is is outstanding. Honestly, the last episode, I can't recommend it enough. It's brilliant. Yeah, and it's I think, got, I, uh, I think you can you can nail the landing for me every now and then. It all, you know, I'm always entertained by anything I watch by him by the visuals of it more yeah. than the story. Every now and then he nails it, but it's not what I'm going to rush to. Keeping on the theme of horror and something else in October, and I've just got to get this off my chest, but late October, we had another film that Steve, Alexandria, and I were planning to cover on an episode. Latest entry in the long-running Hellraiser series. Now, this being a reboot and sharing the same name as Clive Barker's 1987 original, which is one of my favourite horror films. And the good thing about this remake was that it prompted me to rewatch the first film, which I love, because this remake, it left a genuinely unpleasant taste in my mouth. The first hour was just a slog, and the second half was just a protracted cat-and-mouse gore fest. None of the depth and nuance of the original two films, and Jamie Clayton as Pinhead was just a pale, one-dimensional imitation of Doug Bradley's character. I genuinely, passionately disliked this film, and I so wanted to love it. It was just one of the biggest disappointments of the year. I'm with you. I haven't actually seen this remake, but it gave me an opportunity to go back and watch the original, oh, the original. which is a fantastic oh monster movie. We forget it sometimes. Yeah. It is a monster movie. It is a monster and, uh, movie. And the star of that film is not Pinhead. The star of that film is Claire Higgins. Yeah. And the the, yeah. the, the things she's willing to do for her lover, and it's yeah. just phenomenal. Right, the last big Marvel Studios film of this year, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Don't tell me none of us have seen it. I've seen it. Ah, Wow. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> As I've said earlier on the podcast, uh, oh, earlier on this year, for the moment, I think I'm done with Marvel in the cinema. Yep. We 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 had we had an afternoon free. We went Christmas shopping. We were early Christmas shopping. Is that yeah. why you didn't get a present? You went to see this instead. Correct. Piece of um, shit. Went to went went to Christmas market. We had we had three hours to kill because we we done everything we wanted to do and we thought we're not going to get another opportunity. Let's go and see that. And it does some things really well. It's it, it's a tribute to Chadwick Boseman. That's great. All the rest of it as a Marvel film. It's I mean it's better than Thor: Love and Thunder, but it's it it sits very comfortably in the current crop of okay Marvel films. Mm. As I said, the Chadwick Boseman stuff is very very well done. Angela Bassett Sorry is heard, outstanding. Yeah. Sorry, feared again. Absolutely outstanding. Yeah. Um, things happen that you expect to happen. There are some surprises. It's, the, it's an inoffensive film. There's, there's, there's no real negatives about it. Mm. But the, the purpose of that film is to establish the new Black Panther and pay tribute to Jared Boseman, which it does. But does it need to be two and three quarter hours to do it? No. No, there you go. Yeah. Now, Steve, this is where you've let me down. 
because the US saw a November limited release of Steven Spielberg, you may have heard of him, mm-hmm. his semi-autobiographical film, The Fablemans. Now, it hasn't had a general release here, but I've managed to snag a screener. But you haven't seen it? I haven't seen it, no. Neil, you haven't seen it either? Black Panther? No, The Fablemans. <laughs> the Fablemans, oh, sorry. <laughs> that famous Steven Spielberg biopic, Black yeah, Panther. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Spielberg, yeah, that's, that's what happened, wasn't it? You know, his father got killed and then he had to fight Michael B. Jordan. No, I haven't, I hasn't had it yet, no. No, no. I think, I don't know, they, they, I, I must have missed some of the magic in the Fablemans uh, because i I, I got to say, and, and I'm going to try not to spoil anything for you because it is a Spielberg film and it's certainly worth watching, but I thought that the first 45 minutes of this film was a bit of a chore. Paul Dano and Michelle Williams, the, the two most well-established actors in this film, they put in, for me, frankly, bad performances. Now, compared to what they've shown themselves capable of delivering, I don't get the semi-autobiographical idea that he's run with here. I feel it's a little bit self-indulgent, and the film itself doesn't even tell that interesting enough of a story to warrant two and a half hours of whatever this was. Now, the stuff that focuses on the magic of filmmaking is the real draw here, and I think which the stuff which all of us will appreciate the most. But the rest of it just seems almost amateurish. And I'm, I mean, in terms of those two performances in particular, the young lad that plays the character that is supposed to be Steven Spielberg is really good. He's absolutely brilliant, I've got to say it. But then Spielberg's always been good at, you know, with child actors, yeah. hasn't he? But he's not a child, he's, he's like a, I think he's, he must be in his late teens, and, he, and maybe, he's, maybe he's playing a character much younger than what he actually is in real life, but he's really good. But I was just, just left to ask myself the question of how a master of his craft is putting out stuff like this. Now, there's a story about John Ford, which Steven Spielberg has told several times. It's a well-known story. And this is weaved in at a certain point in the film, a key point, but it's not really earned. And because this was both, it both was and it wasn't a story of Steven Spielberg because it changes too many things from what I know to be his real-life experiences and it makes it a nearly autobiography. And it just seemed to be a strange choice. Now, I know a lot of people are going to disagree with what I'm saying. And certainly when a film comes out, you know, a lot of people can watch this film and judge it for themselves, but I just think it's got some problems, and the nature of those problems being bad performances from actors who I know can, are capable of far much more, that points to me that it's a problem with his directing. This is from the same guy who gave us innumerable near-flawless masterpieces, or in fact flawless masterpieces like Jaws, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T., Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, and so many more. And I am being picky, but this is a Steven Spielberg film. And I've got to say it, I expect better from him. And I have not seen a film from him for a long time now, which I would describe as anywhere near being a masterpiece. Well, this is the film I'm hoping was going to be his return to form. Because If you can watch this and you can tell me yeah. Michelle Williams' performance. She's a fantastic She's actress. a fantastic actress. Uh-huh. And I've seen Paul Dano. I don't like him as an actor, right? But I'm aware of a good performance. Yes. Just like when I don't like Daniel Day Lewis in There Will Be Blood, I hate him. Yeah. But it's well, a fantastic performance. I just really yeah. the character does nothing well, for yeah, me. That's part right? of the, that's part of the yeah, thing, isn't yeah. it? I'm not going to give too much more away about it. But they're my my early thoughts on the Fablemans. Now, Steve, I think you might be the only one here who's seen Avatar: The Way of Water. Is that right? Yeah, I've seen it. Neil, I'm not going to bother. My thoughts on the, the first one are enough. It's not a bad film, but it doesn't take ten years to make, and it's just bells and whistles. Well, I, 13 years. 13 years. Well, I was there opening night in um, the Showcase Plus X Plus in 3D. I couldn't wait for it. And I loved it, I have to say. 
it was all the completes you made about three D being someone who wears glasses. Yes, and yeah, you, I know, I know. I got wear two pair of glasses oh, for three yeah, hours. Chuck some blue aliens on screen. He's willing to forgive everything. Yes, yeah. I know, I know. And, and I have to say, the first ten minutes when I was watching it, I mean, um, I always find that three D almost shrinks the screen, hmm. and you don't get the full cinematic experience as far as I'm concerned. But within ten minutes, I'd forgotten all about it. And there are some clunky moments in it. I mean, uh, uh, one of the characters is. Um, oh, what's the bad guy's name? Um, Stephen Lang's character. Yes, uh, yeah. it's his son. Uh, and every other word out of his uh, mouth is bro. And I'm thinking, how do you know that word? You've no, grown no. up on an alien planet. Yeah. You wouldn't know that. He's mm-hmm. surrounded by aliens. But, you know, there's moments like that. But it's so gorgeous to look at. It's so fantastic. The underwater sequences, the whale hunt sequences, is just majestic. And the ending, which... If anything, I thought it came a little bit too soon because I didn't realise it was three hours, two, uh, 20 minutes long. Yeah. It, came very, it, it went very, very quickly. And the ending is just magnificent. The action is just fantastic. A couple of strands, different people. It was like, it's like his homage to Titanic and the Abyss in there. You can see the little yeah. elements of that in there. I adored it. Well, none of us can agree with you or disagree with you because yeah. we haven't seen it. I would recommend it, though. I, I intend to see it when the chaos of Christmas and New Year subsides, and I wish I could have seen it earlier, but unfortunately, I just haven't had an opportunity. The one thing I would say, though, from what I've heard, is that um, the high frame rate, I didn't see it on the high frame rate. Apparently, that's awful. I will not watch anything in high frame rate again I've, after. The only one I've ever seen was The Hobbit. The second Hobbit film, yes, dreadful. And it's, um, you know what it reminds me of is. Um, live footage. Well, live footage, behind also, the scenes footage. What it reminds me of is. If you ever watched uh, American television yeah. in the sem- in the in the eighties and nineties, yeah. like this quality of the fil- of video, yeah, and maybe it was you know because NTSC and Powell yeah. maybe oh, the was that, wasn't it? Yeah. you know that's what it reminded me of. So I'm so glad, happy yeah. that I didn't actually see it. In the, uh, I've just, I've, I've just, I loved the first film. I really, really loved. It. I haven't, I don't still love it, but I, when it came out, I was totally swept away with it, and I just thought it was so visually impressive. I enjoyed the story. I just, I was a massive fan of it. Thirteen years is a long time. It is a long time. I, 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 think, I rewatched yeah. it two weeks ago. But I and just think it it does hold up. But ultimately, I'm gonna go back to that joke that me and Neil think that we coined or stole off someone else many years ago. It is dances with Smiths. Mm. Yeah, South Park beat us to we. I think that, it was from South Park, of course. It was one of those things when it was. It must have been in the air because me and you came up with dances with Smiths, and then I was like. I just watch South Park. They're making dances with Smurfs jokes now. So, but I just think with that came like, so I don't know. There's there's nothing particularly original about the story. No, 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 there's nothing. And it's, yeah. it's one of those films where look, say what you will about Titanic. That's that's the thing. That's, that's what I was going to say to you when you were saying about Spielberg. Then I hold Cameron in the same regard. They build towards something like for Spielberg was Schindler's List. For Cameron, it was Titanic, and then he kind of forget about all the stuff they did before that. Yeah. And they, they go another way. Kind of what Cameron's done. Like I said, with Avatar, it was this big thing with Avatar. And every, you know, I can remember going to the cinema and watching Avatar and think, yeah, it looks fucking great, but there's nothing to this story. It's, it's not selling me. It's, 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 it's not, this new one hasn't done much of a story either. And again, you know I mean? and yeah. it's, it's very much a revenge, um, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, Stephen Lang is is af- he's still after revenge. You know, he died at the um, end of the first one, but yeah. before he um, died... They put him into they, a... They, they downloaded him. They, they downloaded, downloaded his him. consciousness. Oh. So he, de- he has no memory of how he died. See, Steve, that's when I... And stupidly, I looked through the IMDb cast list for this one. I saw he was in it. And then when I then listened to some live streams and stuff where they talked about it. when I heard that instead of coming up with a new villain they regurgitated one yeah, from the first yeah but it works really really well it really, really, really does it's just like 
come up with something new. You know, yeah, well, he's an avatar all the way through. Give us a T one thousand. Give us yeah, a better yeah. bad guy. You know? And I have to say, Sigourney Weaver's in it. I know, playing a fourteen year old girl, and she's and I had to remind myself it was her because she was yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, the, the, I, I just think that if you're gonna, I appreciate that this was filmed four years ago or whatever it was because they've already filmed three and four, right? They're just working on the effects yeah. and everything. I appreciate that. It's so actually, in, 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 in you know, he's been edited and all the rest of it, but we're talking. It is probably is more like a decade rather than thirteen years. If the driving force is the creation of the technology to show underwater, but we don't really have a s- decent story to go underwater. It's a decent right. enough story. Do you know what it is, no, Rich? I, 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 I don't have any problems with the story at all. It is very slim, the story is. Do you know what this is? But it's worth it because the underwater sequences are just phenomenal. Yeah. It's a concept car. Yeah. It's yeah. look what we can do, but we're not going to ever give it to you because aside from what it looks and... You know, what it looks like and what it theoretically can do there's no substance to it yeah, yeah but it's you know it, it has been handed out to everybody it's made a billion dollars yeah, already yeah. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and today it's announced it's past you know well, we always say that famous quote a good script costs nothing no I, yeah. again and I'm, yeah. I'm not going to film I haven't seen and I might go in I might I'll be honest with you much like Black Panther 2 and that's why I made the joke at the beginning with a few of us I'll watch all these things when they come on TV when they come on streaming because I'm not going to the cinema. To, I'm not. I don't want to line James Cameron's pockets, after, especially after uh, Dark Fate. To me, Dark Fate. I don't want to lack his line his pockets anymore, unless something truly grips me and makes you want to see it. And unfortunately, after the first Avatar, I'm not gripped with that fever to go and watch a second. Yeah. Well, I love to go back and see it again. I, I'm I like that. I'm, I'm, I'm up and down with it because I've, I've. If you were to say it's absolute rubbish, then. I wouldn't go and see it. People, yeah. opinions you I trust. I would. I would. If you kind of reinforced what my concerns yeah. are about it, then I definitely would. Whereas I'm still, I'm still in the camp of I'd like to see it yeah. out of curiosity. Yeah. I, look, it, it's an event picture, right? Mm. Yeah. I would have I run to have seen, at the moment. Yeah. I would have run to have seen this if it weren't for the fact that this film comes out at the worst time of the year for me, yeah. coupled with yeah. my work schedule. Christmas being a chaotic time, you know, in the build up to it and all the stuff you've got to do or whatever. It's just not a good time for me. I would have gone to see it, but. Well, I've got nothing to say about the film, unfortunately, other than... To sum it up, right, this is how I feel. If, if, you, uh, if you want to be cynical about it, there is enough in there for it to be very yeah, cynical yeah. about it. Oh, yeah. But okay. to, to quote Lindsay in The Abyss, you've got to look with better eyes than that. Yeah. And oh, that's wow. the way I see it. Yeah. And I've got to say, right, do you know the ramming it down your throat, the environmental story that the first one told? Yeah. When I watch it, because it's done in such a way that the pain of those characters is, comes across really well, it's not like I remember. It's actually like, do you know what? Yeah, it's um, it's not pleasant to watch, and it's well, not. That's the whale hunting sequence yeah. because the whales are characters in this film. Yeah, I mean they they communicate with the Navi, like, and there's a sequence there where you really really feel that these creatures are under threat, and you know. Do you know what? One of the things, that one of the negatives for me was watching the trailer. I felt like I was watching Moana. It felt like a Pixar. Yeah. Felt, you know, you know the thing with 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 the with the original. These the characters interacting. It felt it felt real. It was they they they, they looked. They're not real, but they looked. Yeah. You believe yeah. the textures, the yeah, yeah. all the color grading, everything. It was that. Likewise, that's what I was expecting. Whereas I'm watching this, thinking, probably because in the meantime, in those intervening thirteen years, CG animation. CG animation is as completely excelled, and we're seeing the standard of CG animation is amazing. So I think with this, I'm looking at thinking, 
actually, are we seeing anything new here? And by proxy, it doesn't impress me because it's not things we haven't seen before. But obviously, I mean, assuming the trailer doesn't. Oh no, the trailer doesn't sound up no either, and it is truly gorgeous. Right, it is. Finally, December saw the release of Ryan Johnson's *Knives Out* sequel, *Glass Onion*. Now. In spite of The Last Jedi being a film that I dislike probably more than any other, sorry Steve, I know it's great. His, his next film, Knives <laughs> Out, was far better than I expected it to be. But, unfortunately, given certain traits that Ryan Johnson has as a storyteller, and that's storyteller in inverted commas, as soon as I saw the poster for his sequel, Glass Onion, earlier on in the year, I immediately made a prediction to a friend that two of the characters, one played by Edward Norton and Dave Bautista, well, I'm not going to I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to save spoilers for anyone who's yet to see it, right? But I made predictions about these two characters based on what I know about Ryan Johnson and the way he approaches the story. And I thought, yeah, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I have the rug pulled out for me. And that was just from the poster. And, and when those turned out to be absolutely bang on, and I'm like, mm-hmm. hmm, this is a murder mystery. And I predicted it from the poster. Great storytelling, uh, Mr. Johnson. Then when you add to this one of the most contrived plots that feels like it was written by a 10-year-old with so many huge plot contrivances, one of the murdered characters conveniently having a twin, another character having a conveniently fatal allergy to pineapple juice, and some pitifully blunt stabs at satire, the main one being Edward Norton's character, who is clearly based on someone who likes rockets, electric cars, and buying social media platforms, all mixed with Ryan Johnson's quirky, once more in inverted commas, sense of humour, then you've got a film that maybe as much as Thor, Love and Thunder is the second worst film I've seen all year. Oh, wow. I didn't like it. And I looked at the poster, and do you know when you have these these geniuses and they're able to like sort of look at something and, and you think, how the hell did you work that out from one, one bit of, like a, a page from a book or... You, you've touched something, you've gone... I, I looked at the post and I thought, I know exactly what's going to happen. And fuck me, it happened. I, I couldn't believe it. And I can't say any of it because I don't want to spoil it. Did a bad film though? Yes. Because I, yes. I guessed from the beginning the ending of... Because uh, that left me with nothing yeah, good Mike in it. Yeah, Mike Shamlin film, what was it called? Um, the Sixth Sense. The Sixth Sense. That, but when, when the big reveal, I was like, well, duh. Everything that led to it, right? I could sit here now and I could give you an hour's breakdown as to everything that didn't make sense in that film. The first film was a self-contained story about a load of people coming together to... It was it was to do with inheritance, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was well done, the first one. It was, it was well done. And it was it was a simple whodunit where everyone had a motive, whereas this film tried to make it bigger in scope. It was so far-fetched in places, yet it insisted in the beginning of, of introducing COVID and the fact that everyone's wearing masks, so it's setting it in the real world. It's like, well, sorry, Ryan, but you've now set this in the real world. To have some of the things you later put in the film, which is so fucking ridiculous that they make absolutely no sense other than to an idiot who thinks they're being clever. I'm sorry. It. I you do realise it was a comedy. I didn't laugh once. <laughs> I laughed. I, I don't, there I was don't, nothing funny about it. I don't think it knows it's a comedy. I think it, I think it thinks it's a comedy for very different reasons than it actually is yeah. funny. And I will I will be I will be completely honest with Daniel Craig in the first one. I thought, well, oh, this could be like, oh wow, they've almost written like a new Hercule Poirot. Yeah, and he skirts it close to parody, doesn't he? Whereas this film, he falls over the abyss into oh, parody. My days. Well, yeah, he does that on purpose, though, and he says that he was going to lay it on really thick. Well, he's made two vital bad decisions, and one is less kill off James Bond and less ramp up on fucking Benoit Blanc. 
Yeah. Because he's fucked it on both of them. He has. I agree. Yeah. Sorry, Ryan Johnson. Oh, um, but I will give you credit. I went into Knives Out, literally sat there with two knives. Do you know the only, the only part of it I liked? There was uh, one scene where they were showing like a flashback and he was in the bath and you heard a voice. And I thought, oh, okay, so Benoit Blanc has obviously got a male partner. Yeah? Yeah. And then when you get a further flashback or a flash sideways, I don't know which way it went, it was uh, Hugh Grant. And I thought, all right, so this is almost like a sort of Holmes and Watson type thing. Yeah. And I thought, well, perhaps we could have expanded on that a little bit and gave nothing at all. It went nowhere. Introduced no. like a Holmes and Watson. No. If Benoit Blanc had turned up with Hugh Grant's character and he'd been like a, the Watson to his Holmes, and we could have had something different. Mm-hmm. That might occur to me at all. <laughs> that might have worked. But this was almost like just Daniel Craig sort of, I don't know, parodying his last performance. Yeah, yeah. And again, like you say, almost that thing of the what we were talking about before. The first film being a success. I know Johnson wrote and directed the first one, so it doesn't really fit in what I was saying about Patty Jenkins and Taika Waititi earlier. Yeah. But almost being given too much freedom and too much power to just do whatever he wanted. Yeah. And there's another one coming. It eats itself. It does eat itself. That film eats itself. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm quite surprised because I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was Steve. two hours of just fun. We are always going to be on the precipice, right, of... You love The Last Jedi, and I would rather gouge out my own eyeballs with a fork and never watch it again. So, I don't know. Do you want to arrange the screen? On Steve's recommendation, I would never watch it again. I watched The Last Jedi again because, Steve, I can't remember whatever podcast we were doing, whatever episode we were doing. I went back and rewatched it thinking he's almost selling me on this. And I was still at the end, I was like, What, Steve, what are you watching? I know. <laughs> Look, let's, Neil, Neil, we vowed, didn't we? And I think our therapist has advised that we're not to talk about it again. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, Guys, it's, is there yeah. anything else now from 2022 in terms of films and TV shows that I may have missed out that yeah. you need to discuss? Yeah. Can I recommend three? Go on. All right. First one Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. That's on Netflix. Didn't see it. It's really, really good. It's dark. It's it's very funny. It's uh, is it, it as dark as the scene from Family Guy involving Pinocchio? Neil, can you I, I haven't seen that. Uh, <laughs> my my eleven year old boy showed me that yesterday. And I was like, no, you can't be watching you that. Can't watch that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, I haven't seen that. So I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's dark. Well, this brings actually in. There's even a um, a cameo by Mussolini in it. Oh, it brings That's in dark. fascism in That's it. Dark. And yes, Probably yes. Dark. And, that, and that's actually quite a funny scene. Who would have thought Mussolini was very funny? The other one is um, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Which I am kicking myself for not seeing. Have you seen that? No. no? no anybody seen that? No? Uh, it's on my list of films I've watched. Steve, yeah. I'm missing something because that film just gave me a migraine. <laughs> it looks great. I really, again, it's one of those, it's, it's the Andor factor. We've had the Top Gun Maverick factor and the Andor factor. I watched that film and I was like, I should love this film, yeah. but for some reason it's not clicking with me. And I, oh. I towards the end, I was just like, oh, this is just giving me a headache. Oh, it, it's so kinetic. It's so much going on at the same time. Yeah, it's and, just too much. For, it was you know, just I, much. and I can imagine people. There's a, <laughs> there's a, a secret item. I won't mention what it is, um, which I'm sure that some people would look at it and go, "All right, you've lost me completely now." Hmm. But I was. Bought right down to yeah. it, and I and I loved it, and you know, and, you, and and I also love martial arts, and you know, Michelle Yeoh doing uh, martial arts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I was going to say the fight choreography in is yeah, tremendous, yeah. and that, that 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 sort of factor, and the way the cinematography, and like you said, the fight choreography, it's beautifully done. 
yeah. But for whatever reason, it just didn't work for me. I, I can completely understand why people love this film and people are recommending it as the, like the film of the year. I, I wouldn't argue against it. Well, it's now one of the favourites or the best picture in the Oscars, which I'm ah. really surprised about. If I won every award this year, yeah. I wouldn't argue against it. But for whatever reason, it just didn't click with me. And um, one last recommendation I would say is it's called um, Athena. I keep on forgetting what it's t- called. It dropped onto Netflix in November without any fanfare like they do. Uh, it's a French film set on a housing estate in Paris, I think it is. And it's doing a riot. And what has happened is earlier in the day, a young boy had been shot and um, <clears throat> the people on the housing estate think it's the police who've done it. Whether who did it is not really established in the film. The police think that it was a far-right group pretending to be police. And it's told with such urgency and such fantastic... The direction is amazing. And do you know why I'm sold on it? Look at IMDb. It's one hour, 39 minutes. It's a short film, yeah. Mm. And it's also... The 90-minute film is a lost art form. Yeah, and there's a lot lot of long takes in the film. Like Mm. the first take, the first scene is 10 minutes long without any cuts... And it starts off at a press conference where these people throw a firebomb into it. And then they, they break into a police station. They steal guns. There's a chase in the, down the motorway into the housing estate. Go right through the housing estate. And it's, it's chaos everywhere. And then the final shot of the, the leader, um, Kareem, as he's walking, through, you know, you're following him right throughout. And then he's standing there in the barricades as the camera pulls back. And it's just amazing. It's like 10 minutes long. And there's a lot of these throughout the film a lot of these long shot um, scenes without any takes you know one long takes yeah. I should say but it's not beholden to that I mean there are edits and stuff mm. when it needs to be so Athena um, on Netflix yes and I'll it's such it on my uh, watch list there's a moment in there when you've got the riot police and they've got the barricades up and they're trying to get into the into the estate and the people on the top are throwing rocks and fireworks down to them and you are in there with, with the, the police, police yeah. with all the banging and the spirits, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's it's shattering. It's yeah. a really, really fantastic. Uh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Rich, any uh, from you? We, you did. We we did an episode on it, but I wasn't able to take part. And it was Star Trek: Strange New Worlds, um, which I know you started and you couldn't really get yeah, into. Yeah, couldn't get into it. Um, I I watched it later on, so I wasn't ready to do the episode because I wasn't there. So I didn't watch it until I watched the first couple of episodes, and then I didn't watch it until the autumn. It's it's a modern take on classic Star Trek. It's episodic. The characters, the the actors are nigh on perfectly matched there isn't any um kind of ramming home of any kind of sort of political statement it feels like when i was a kid i loved star trek and i used to imagine what it'd be like to live on the enterprise yeah i i have that same feeling when i watched strange new worlds it's stunning to look at um the big sort of locations that they go to anson mount is outstanding as captain pike i've always had this i've always been drawn to captain pike from watching the pilot episode, the cage, and then watching um, the menagerie, it was a menagerie, wasn't menagerie, it? Where they, yeah. yeah, where they went, where they revisited it, and I always had this. Mm. I was always intrigued by Captain Pike, and then he, Captain Pike, was not that it was difficult. He was far and above the best element of Discovery season two. Percent. Um, and I watched the short trek where they did. I think it was Spock's first shift on, on there, and you saw a lighter side to Spock. You saw not not a lighter side to Spock, but compared to what we saw Spock in Discovery. Um, where it was so tied with Michael Burton and all the crap that Discovery was chucking at us. The little short track gave us a little taster of, well, this actually feels like young Spock on the Enterprise. Mm. It's one of those programmes that that benefits, again, from being able to watch a few episodes 
on the bounce. Mm. It isn't something that I was desperate to go back and watch, but every episode I enjoyed. It's really well made. It feels like it feels like someone has said, "What's wrong with current Star Trek?" Well, Picard is. Let's not even go there. Discovery tried to do something different, but just disappeared up his own ass. What did we love about Star Trek? We had a captain who was confident, who wasn't deceitful, who was there was no kind of shadow to his character. We had supporting characters that you were interested in, you were intrigued with. Every episode seems to take not not the viewpoint necessarily of a specific character, but every character is explored. It's just really well well written, well 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 created, well filmed. And by the end of the series, you are intrigued to see what comes next. Yeah, it's and, really, and it's fun. Yeah, and having edited that episode, which John and Martin did, which I had no part of apart from editing, I almost feel like I've seen the show because, yeah, yeah they all spotted me in you know in a way that I was more than happy to do because you know that's the I was I was grateful they were able to do the episode for us. But yeah, I don't know. It's just the first few episodes didn't grip me, and I think I had a lot of stuff going on at the time. Mm. I think it was during the time that uh, Film 89 Towers was under renovation I just simply, it got lost in the, the melee that was yeah. everything that I had to watch in, in, in this year. But so Some little honourable mentions for me are The Stranger on Netflix, the Australian film with Sean Harris and uh, Joel Edgerton, one of the darkest films I've seen all year. But from the point of view of the investigation that these Australian cops are doing, you think well, I actually did that and the bit I missed at the beginning was based on a true story and it was only later on in the film wow. my wife said no it's at the beginning list, like. this is based on it and it is the first half of the film as you get it into the the, the, the tone and the style it's, it's quite hard for him but by the time you get to the end you're like my god in all credit all credit to these guys and girls for doing what they're doing to solve this crime mm. this horrible crime that happened um, another one is I think this was a Netflix one was the Adam Sandler basketball drama Hustle oh, yeah, yeah, quite which good. came from nowhere and yeah. I watched it with um, with my family. Absolutely loved it. I watched it based on your recommendation. Yeah, yeah it was um, really good. But the one which I'm, I'm pretty late to the game on, which I'm, I'm pretty annoyed with myself about, because there were two films from director Ty West this year, which I've now since learned form are going to form part of a trilogy. But the first one is his 1979 set horror X. Now, unfortunately, I haven't seen his follow-up film Pearl, which also came out this year. But I've heard that that's even better. And as I said. X and Pearl are going to be parts one and two of a trilogy. Well, X shouldn't have worked it. I think when you think no. about it, it was you know, but it was really. But I, from that opening shot, this in a barn, and you're coming slowly out of a barn. I immediately got a Texas Chainsaw Massacre yes. vibe, and the film follows through on that. Although it's it is a different kind of film, but yeah, one of the films that I kind of slept on, but when I actually saw, it, I was like, yeah, do you know what? It, it, that really worked. Can I ask me. you a question about this, right? Because I haven't seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre for such a long time. Go on. The editing in it, when he was going from scene to scene, yes. now, that reminded me of Easy Rider. Yeah. Well, is that in Texas? That's Chainsaw? not in Texas. No, Chainsaw okay, Massacre, okay, no because I not. couldn't remember that being not, in there. But that little editing flourish that High West does is, I don't know if that's, that's going to carry on into Pearl, yeah. but it makes you feel uneasy. Yes, it does, yeah. And the first time I saw yeah. it, I was like, oh, I don't like that. And yeah. it just works. Well, yeah. te- um, uh, Dennis Hopper uses it in uh, Easy in, Rider. Yeah, Easy Rider. Yeah. And I've met what my film of the year is. Um, I was going to pick Dharma, but because it's such a hard watch, I'm going to go for something a little bit lighter, but it's still a full-on drama, and it's a show which is consistently surprising me with each season. Every time they recast, I think, nope, this isn't going to work. This character uh, was perfect before with the actor that you had playing him or her, and it's The Crown Season 5, and it's the show that I probably binged, watched quicker than any other one this year. This show is, at the moment, the most consistent show on TV for me, and I just... It, I didn't think it was a show I would ever like, but 
I gotta say it, it's like a real life Game of Thrones. And I know that there is there are some contentious scenes certainly in this later season which um, certain people like uh, John Major has said didn't happen. But you know this is a show where they're casting Sick Boy from Train Spotting as John Major. When you first see him, you're thinking what? And then by the time you get to the end of the show, you're like, yep, that's John Major. It's wow. phenomenal. The Crown. Each subsequent season, I, I'm just blown away by how good it is. But yep, yeah, that's it for me. I'm, I I got nothing else uh, from 2022. I, I probably missed lots of stuff, but I think we've we've discussed quite a bit, haven't we? Neil, what what about you, mate? Right. Uh, I've got a longer list, so I'm going to do it really quick. Um, all the movies we've talked about, I think we've pretty much covered everything bar the unbearable weight of massive talent with Nicolas Cage, playing Nicolas Cage, and also playing young Nicolas Cage. Not a great film, but definitely worth a watch just to see wild at heart Nicolas Cage interact <gasps> with modern-day Nicolas Cage. Sold. TV-wise, I'm going to give you... First, I'm going to give you three different categories. Something that gives me hope was uh, the Doctor Who, The Power of the Doctor, Jodie Whittaker, final episode. I've not enjoyed her reign as the Doctor at all, but I will be completely... Str- and I've not enjoyed the writing and directing of Chris Chibnall. The, f- the final episode actually gives me hope that with Russell T. Davis coming back, we can finally get a Doctor Who I can enjoy again. Uh, just for that one-minute teaser trailer they showed at Christmas. Seeing uh, Peter Davis and who'll always be my Doctor back as the Doctor. Paul McGann coming back as the Doctor. I'm sorry for giving spoilers to anyone who's not a Doctor Who fan here. Uh, coming back. And especially Sylvester McCoy, his little speech to Ace almost brought me to tears. So that was fantastic. Things I've enjoyed. I enjoyed the final season of Ozark. Uh, and Brandon Academy season three. Really enjoyed that. Stranger Things 4. Yes. Uh, how they turned that round, I don't know, because I totally got off that show. This last season, I thoroughly enjoyed. Brilliant. The Boys Series 3, again, just consistently makes me laugh. One we haven't talked about a lot is on Apple Plus. Um, season 1's already on there. Season two's halfway through. I'm halfway through it. Is uh, Slow Horses starring Gary Oldman. Guys, you need to watch this. Uh, I'll quote our friend Lee Stimson on this. His uh, Gary Oldman's character, Jackson Lamb, is basically going to become as quotable as Peter Capaldi was in the thick of it. Some of the best insults I've ever heard. If you haven't seen Slow Horses, please go and watch it. That's fantastic. I enjoyed Peacemaker with John Cena. I know it's daft, dumb fun, but that was that was great. And also the terminal list with Chris Pratt, which I thought just fell short of being... It led itself down to the final hurdle, didn't it? Yeah, but it's got enough there. I know there's a series of books, Jack has ex-Navy Seal who wrote those. Yeah. I think there's enough there to build on that character and give me hope. The two TV shows I'm going to recommend to you, obviously this is going to come to no surprise to anyone who knows my affinity for Sylvester Stallone, go and watch Tulsa King on Paramount+. Plus. Fantastic. How, how Stallone has never played a mafiosa gangster before. He does it with... This is probably... He did. Aside from Rocky Balboa, yeah. this is <laughs> Renaissance Stallone for me. Leighton Winston said on a group with me and Stephen the other day that Tulsa King might be the best thing he's done since Rocky. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. This yeah. is... I know he's he's already come out and said... Obviously, I don't know how this season ends. He's already come out and said he's doubtful whether he's going to do a season two because he found it too demanding, the TV schedule. From what I've seen so far, I really hope he does. You know, I think we're about... I think I'm about six episodes in, I think, at the moment. So that that's easy to catch up on. Please go and watch that. Yeah. Something that if you haven't seen it before, 
is a bit more of an ask. The final series of Better Call Saul. It's not often that a prequel or a sequel outdoes the original. I actually found myself in this last season of Better Call Saul thinking this is better than Breaking Bad. Oh, I, I've got no doubt, Neil. You know, I've not seen a single episode of Better Call Saul, but everyone I know who's seen it and has raved about it, like you have, has said it's better than Breaking Bad. But by the time you get to that final season, they're all in agreement. I don't know if it is or if it isn't. Um, to be completely honest with you, Breaking Bad is it's, it's a mammoth, isn't it? It's a behemoth, you know. All I can tell you, the sort of transition from Jimmy to Saul to Better Call Saul in the last season, which is done almost in in a sort of like almost like a swipe. It's mind blowing. It is astounding how good well Bobong Rhea Seaman I just go through all of them. All the all the cast. It's astounding how well written, how well directed. There's literally nothing I can fault with this whole show. It's literally it's perfection. It's I'll do what I did with Breaking Bad. I'll, I'll come to it later and I'll watch it all in one go. And that's, to, to be honest, it's a big ask to do because it's, you know, it's, was it five, six seasons, whatever it is? Yeah. It's a big ask. But what I will say is, I watched the first season almost sort of like on curiosity and I watched the second season because I thought, well, you know, I'll keep going, see what happens. I'm not going to say it's a slow burn. The story develops in so many different ways. The character develops in so many different ways. And ultimately, you, you know where he ends. And then you get a glimpse of his future after you know where he ends. And that's all I want to say on it. Yeah. And it's done perfectly. I don't think they could have done it any better. Like I say, it's a, it's a big ask for any... To, you know, if, if you haven't watched it, it's a big ask, not just you, but anyone who's listening, for anyone to go watch it, please go watch it. Yeah, I, again, it's one of my biggest black spots. So I'm just kicking myself for just not making the time to watch. But one other thing I... I I'm going to talk about something called a book. I don't know if you remember them, but I got to mention. Is that like this. an iPad? No, no, no. It's, it's, it's <laughs> like a, it's like a really thick newspaper, but it's like got like What's a, a newspaper. Oh, again, yeah, that's okay. But book of the year for me is without doubt Heat Two by Meg Gardner and Michael Mann. It's a sequel to the 1995 masterpiece, one of mine and Neil's all-time favorite films. It takes place just a few hours after the events of the film, but it's also a prequel set seven years before, and it's also a sequel set five years after the film. The quality of the writing is second to none, and as I was reading it, I could hear Pacino, De Niro, and Val Kilmer's voices as I read it. Like I say, you know, Heat is... I know Neil is probably maybe your favourite film of all time. It's definitely in my top ten, and this is it's, a sequel. It's always going to be in the top five, mid, yeah. well, top three. This is the sequel that we could never have really had, and it doesn't disappoint one bit. I don't think I've ever read a book right that's had me so anxious as to whether or not certain characters were going to make it to the end. It's just a phenomenal read, and more than any other film or show this year, it gets my highest recommendation. It's just worth every hour spent reading it, and I just absolutely loved it. So that's it, uh, guys and girls. That is our end-of-year wrap-up of the 365 days that were 2022, or, as you could also call it, our very late review of Top Gun Maverick. Apologies for any glaringly obvious films or shows that we may have missed, and if we did, hit us up via email, that's admin at film89.co.uk, or via social media to chastise us appropriately. And if you've enjoyed the episode and are enjoying Film 89 in general, then please give us a positive review on your podcast provider of choice, especially if it's Apple Podcasts, as that will do us a, a heck of a lot of good. 
Huge thanks to everyone who downloaded our our last episode, episode 89, The Two Towers, which was our highest charting episode ever on the Podomatic Global Film and TV charts. We smashed into the top 10 and we stayed there for nearly two weeks. It was just really humbling. Myself, Richie, Bill, Adam and the rest of the guys are just so grateful. To all our listeners for your continued support of the podcast, it it really is genuinely appreciated. And Film 89 has now grown to something bigger than we ever thought it would be. And for the four of us here tonight who were there from the beginning, who have started this thing, we are genuinely humbled by the discreet support you've given us. And thank you very much to, to everyone who follows us, who recommends us, and who just you know listens to us and chats with us on social media. Guys, where can people find you on social media if they want to berate you for some of the opinions you've given tonight? Yeah, you can catch me via um, via our site. That's my only presence at the minute. You're off social media, aren't you? I'm off, you off social media. Steve? Uh, yeah, Twitter is the best place to contact me and us, uh, at Welsh Bluesman. And you can find me on Twitter and Facebook, at Sky Movies. And if you want to thank me for Tulsa King or Better Call Saul, you can find <laughs> me on Twitter, at Neil underscore Gaskin. <laughs> And please follow us all on Twitter and Facebook at Film89UK and the website Film89.co.uk and email us, please, via admin at Film89.co.uk. So that's it, guys. Onward to 2023, and we've got some great episodes planned for the next year, including some that you guys and girls have been requesting for a long time. But until next time, stay safe, be excellent to one another, but more importantly... Stay classy. Stay classy. <laughs> and remember, Bill Scurry loves Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs>